Colin's Last Stand Knockback is brought to you by, well, you. Knockback, in addition to the interview podcast series Fireside Chats and the weekly YouTube show dedicated to video games called SideQuest, is fan-funded over at patreon.com slash Stand. and without you, none of these shows would exist. If you like Knockback or any of what Colin's Last Stand does, please consider going to Patreon and showing your support. You can even get cool perks in return, like early access to shows, the ability to vote on future show topics, exclusive Q&As, and much more. Thank you for believing in Colin's Last Stand. Now, on to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Colin's Last Stand Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty, as always. I'm joined by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Ooh, oh, that was a really prolonged. I didn't mean to I interrupt you. I sustained that I didn't one mean to interrupt you. <laughs> feel very rude now. Don't you dare interrupt me. Dagan, how are you? I'm doing good. I feel very GQ. I just got back from um, one of my daughter's events at school. The Reading Olympics. And I like to look a little GQ when I go to school event. It's sort of a persona of mine because I'm certainly not really a GQ. I don't think you would say I'm a GQ person in general. I sort of put on this GQ front when we have functions at school. I'm OG. I don't right. know if I'm GQ. But right, I'm right, right. Yeah. Oh, you're OG. Yeah. Are, your, are your socks supposed to be crayons? Yeah, these are Crayola crayons. Green Very ones. Nice. I got those from the Crayola factory. Oh, so they have the logo on the bottom. I didn't even see they the, got logo the logo on the side. It's a little, make my leg look like crayons. Yeah, that's great. Does it, does it not? We'll snap it off and... Uh... And eat it. It's non-toxic. Oh, it's I thought you were going to say color. No, 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 no. We're going to eat, eat it. it. All Cannibalism. Right. It's a little incestual, too, which is a little strange. <laughs> right. Welcome to Knockback. Let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> Today's topic, Dig, is yeah. Nickelodeon, but specifically 1980s Nickelodeon. Uh, this is okay. an exciting time. And I wrote down a bunch of notes when I knew we were going to do this topic, because one of the things I haven't said on any of the episodes we've done in season two yet okay. is that you chose all the topics for this for this particular. Role. Yes, I was going to say, this is a brilliant topic. Who thought of this? It's a great topic. I wanted <laughs> because you asked me, I, I kind of hit you with the topics, the first run of topics, which yeah. I think are a good kind of smorgasbord. Great of topics. topics. But I, when you asked, well, well, what are the next ones? And I'm like, why don't you tell me? And so you and so you did. And this is I, I actually like your run of topics even better than my own. Oh, and you. I liked this one because this one really let me go deep. And I had a few, oh, yeah, moments when I was rec- – like, I wrote a bunch of things down without looking at anything. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, 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 this. And then I was, like, looking at a list on Wikipedia of, like, these are all the shows that ran on Nickelodeon in the 80s. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about oh, – there's so many shows that ran for one or two years. A lot of stuff. Yes. Yep. And a lot true. of Canadian shows. Yeah, many, many Canadian Tons shows. Tons of Canadian shows. Yes. We're going to talk about one of those very popular Canadian shows, I am sure. Okay. But I really enjoyed this one because it really didn't tickle my nostalgia more than many of the topics we've done, which all tickle my nostalgia to varying degrees. So well done. On, uh, well done on your part. Thank you, sir. How do you want to begin this? Maybe we should introduce Nickelodeon to the audience. For, for Maybe for the foreign audience, if they're not American or Canadian or whatever, I don't know that you guys have Nickelodeon. I'm sure you have analogs. Maybe you do have Nickelodeon. I don't know. But for people that might not know, Nickelodeon is a channel that still exists today on television, very popular with children. Think like Disney Channel or something like that, but way more dominant, at least in its heyday, than those channels. Started actually in the late 70s, very nascent early cable channel when cable was really like not a thing. And there was like some people had like really, remember, if you see pictures online, people had like gigantic satellite dishes in their backyard to like receive television signals. You, that's how you kind of watch this stuff back in the day. And it's a really f- like formidable, important channel for children in America, you know, up there with PBS and Sesame Street and all that kind of stuff. But absolutely, it, it's an important one. So, so let's just, we got that out of the way. Now we can dive in. They can talk to me about Nickelodeon. Okay. 
yeah, like you said, really a pioneer in, in cable television. And I'll put it to you this way. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. I didn't remember that before I said, do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. That was part of, because they used that song. It seemed like they took that song and stretched it all through the 80s. They came up with slightly different versions and, of course, like applied it to many different bumpers and interstitials, which they were famous for doing. But my earliest, I had to go back and actually look as I researched I was explaining to you the other day how I like to approach all the topics. I like to go in first as I'm thinking about the topics and starting to brainstorm. And just whatever just pops into my mind and hits me from a nostalgic point of view or just my experiences with the topic, I like to just go in and and just do the raw emotion and what things mean to me and what I remember and then do the research on top of that. And I find when I do that, I certainly didn't invent this technique by any means, but when I do that, I find that it brings out I have my initial memories and my initial thoughts, and then the research just brings out more because it it opens up your memory more. Oh, yeah, that this, and then this leads to this. It's a big domino effect. And I found out with this topic, it's so broad because you're technically covering a decade's worth of content that changed pretty drastically over that time period. But I must have, me and my, my sisters and I, now, I think I started watching Nickelodeon, interestingly, around the time, the same year you were born, 1984. It could have been earlier in the year because you were born in October, obviously. But I think looking back, and you know how I judged it? Just looking at those interstitials, what I reckon, somebody had a timeline. It was really cool, like a, a video timeline of Nickelodeon just using the interstitials and the bumpers and the between show short mostly animated pieces and do you remember this is going way back but Nickelodeon like first of all it started in the late 70s and it started as pinwheel wasn't called Nickelodeon at first and I think that lasted for a couple years before they officially changed the network name to Nickelodeon what I have on that is that Nick launched stateside and Canada I think I think Buffalo was maybe its first yeah New York was its first test market never knew that before yeah December 1st 1977 as pinwheel I have it as 1979 as Nickelodeon okay and it was commercial free which I didn't know until 1984 which I had no idea I had no idea so it was basically kind of pitched as a PBS like channel not really because you were paying cable for it so it's not really that but it, it only ran for 12 hours a day so I thought that that was pretty interesting that's right that's actually right, too. That's correct. You know what's funny about it? I, you know what's funny about it? I take some exception to the fact that it was commercial-free only until 84 because I remember that really... I, I noticed that even as a kid. as a, you know, Whenever I started watching Nickelodeon as a nine... I was a little older. I was 9 or 10 years old when I started watching it, I think. So going back and looking at those interstitials, do you remember when they were using... Everybody envisions Nickelodeon. You could picture the logo. You could picture a couple of things. You could picture the white text on the orange, the white on orange, and they used, they put the usually the same Nickelodeon font, which was all lowercase, I believe, and then they put it on top of an orange shape of some sort. Yeah, like a splat or a... a splat, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it was. And then, of course, the green slime thing was introduced, and we'll get into that and the genesis of that, but... You always think of those two things, but going back, and I do remember this a little bit, they used a graphic, it was a drawn graphic of like a chrome ball, and the text was written in almost like a chrome texture, almost like metallic, and that chrome ball might have been the dot of the eye in Nickelodeon or something, and that carried the pieces through, and 
I wasn't, even though I do remember that, maybe because they were still using it or transitioning from that to the orange, the more graphic, flat orange thing that they did that they came up with for the branding. But I don't remember really watching it when that branding was a thing. And it seemed like that changed over around 83, 84. So I must have started watching it at 83, in 83, 84. And we were watching two things. We were watching, which we'll get into, the show Pinwheel, which was like a very... To talk about it and introduce it very briefly and then get into it more, it was very similar to Sesame Street. It was live actions and slash puppet skit segments interspersed with animated shorts of different kinds. Very similar to Sesame Street. Bar, I think I loved Pinwheel, but it borrowed heavily from Sesame Street, clearly. And then the other thing we were watching was You Can't Do That on Television, which was, you know. We were actually talking about it over text, I think. In the week or two leading up to this, yeah. where like we were, to- we were because mar- that is really one of my f- earliest memories is that you can't do that on television. We'll talk about that second because I want to talk about Pinwheel first okay, because that's okay. so ubiquitous. Okay, great. I mean, perfect. they shared a name with each other. Yeah, but that show in particular was so funny and how and how inappropriate for children it was, oh and God. I and I don't even remember how inappropriate. I didn't remember even how inappropriate <laughs> it was until I actually started really going <laughs> deep in the you can't do that on television lore and how it was even too much for Nickelodeon. Like they stopped airing certain episodes yeah. and so we'll get into we'll get into that in a minute but pinwheel i remember vaguely and when i was looking at video of it i was like i remember this because pinwheel ran from 1977 until 1990 i don't think that i was watching pinwheel in 1990 or 1989 or 1988 i think i was probably like very young when i was watching pinwheel yeah. and like you said pinwheel was a bootleg sesame street yes in, in, in a lot of ways it totally was i think it was canadian and this and this kind of is the Hallmark when you look into a lot of 80s television, actually generally in a lot of different ways for young teens, because you have shows like Ramona, which I used to really like, which was right. based on the books. That was Canadian. I forgot about that. You had Degrassi, which was a quintessential Canadian teen drama, which is still on, and they have a bunch of different iterations of that. And I was actually watching Degrassi. I think Degrassi High or Degrassi Junior High, a few years ago, it was on Amazon. Like, like I want to say it was Degrassi High. And... The first episode or the second episode of the run is about how one of the kids' parents dies in a drunk driving accident. Yeah, it was like heavy. And right? I was like, it, it just, the shows were just different and kids could tolerate different things then. Absolutely. But talk to me a little bit about Pinwheel because okay. this really was a show, like I said, that was synonymous with Nickelodeon. It was, a, it was again, the poor man's Sesame Street with a kind of inter, intermingling of human actors with puppets and puppetry. But do you have fond memories of it or do you really kind of remember it in more of a it's like almost like this boutique-ish weird, weird show. No, that- I have very fond memories of Pinwheel. In fact, if I have to compare it to, it meant a lot to us. Dana and I, my, our sister Dana and I, who's old, she's a year younger than me, a little over a year younger than me. She, we grew up watching that show avidly. But here's the thing about, I should, I should preface this to say, because people will notice it's a little weird. Like, was it taking a little old for Pinwheel when he started watching Nickelodeon? I'll tell you two secrets, Okay. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever really even talked about this to anybody. I love to the I grew up loving and still to this day watching preschool content on television, especially animated content, just like soothes my soul. It comforts me. It's really strange. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else. I'm sure there's other people out there that feel this way, but I hope so. But I really do enjoy watching preschool content. And even as a kid, like I think I think it was a mixture for me of like enjoying the animation because I really did enjoy animation so much and I just couldn't get enough of that. 
but also it just comforted me, you know, it, it, it soothed my anxiety. And you know what the other thing, I'll tell you what the other thing that does that for me, going shopping at Target after nine o'clock at night. You like, cause it's, cause it's love a little it. empty. Little, I love it. Yeah. I'll go, if I'm stressed out, I go to go and go right over to Target. It's gotta be after nine o'clock at night. Cause I think it closes at 11. And it's quiet, and I'll just go to the toy section. I go to the video game section. I'll br- browse around, maybe look at clothes for the kids. Get I'm really addicted to what's that? Clorox anywhere. What is that? It's like a spray. It's like a watered down. It's watered down bleach. That's all it is. Oh, so you really are, Dad? Huh? Oh, I'm like really into Clorox anywhere, and I think Target's the only place that carries it anymore. Holy so like, shit, the apple doesn't fall far. It from doesn't the tree. fall far at all. But anyway, I'm going <laughs> on a big tangent. But so so yeah. So if you guys caught that that was strange that I was watching Pinwheel and I wasn't starting to watch Nickelodeon until I was ten? nine or yeah. ten, that's why. Super into it. Well, well, doesn't that? I mean, doesn't that kind of not so tangentially connect to your career. I mean, you make preschool yes. content for Sesame Workshop. I love, I love, and I've worked, you know, working in animation for almost 20 years now. I do enjoy, I've gotten the most experience working on preschool, just for, especially from being in New York. That's te- tends to be what we do out here. Not only with Sesame, but working on projects for Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network when they were doing a preschool thing, a preschool block. I got to work on a bunch of that stuff. But yeah, Sesame Street was the first thing where I grew up and that that was like one of the things. And another thing, I think I've talked about this before, but, and I, I do work for Sesame Workshop and it's a terrible thing to say. Not now, but growing up, I hated puppets. Like I wasn't having it. Like it was, I tolerated Sesame Street, the Muppet Show, I couldn't stand it. It was like, when is this shit going to be over? Like, is this what we're Like for some reason, I just wanted to watch cartoons. <laughs> you know, I just didn't like puppets. But so I was watching Sesame Street for the animated shorts and all those things that I love still to this day, like Billy Joe Jive. And they could have been one-off shorts. They could have been, you know, episodic shorts that they had on the, on at the time, but I love them. And then that just grew into, as I got older, then Pinwheel came along. It was the same exact format. It was like all these really cool... I tolerated the live action and puppet stuff. I thought the puppet stuff on Pinwheel was pretty charming, although it did borrow very heavily from the tropes, like the Sesame Street tropes. Like there was the grouchy character... There was the goofy character. There was the there was you know Bert and Ernie had their surrogate and plus and minus. Like there was I a lot there was, of was there litigation over this at any point? No, but it really did borrow heavily from Sesame Street. It was I think the premise if I'm if I'm remembering Pinwheel correctly, it was six it was a sixty minute block. It was live action and puppet interspersed like I said with the animated short set that that they had on. There's some really charming stuff in there. And I think each show revolved around a topic and a specific topic of that show. And there they borrowed heavily from the character tropes of Sesame Street. I think the the basic idea was it was this big Victorian house. It was called Pinwheel House. And it was a boarding house for different types of people live there. So you had the you know, Coco the Mime. And plus and minus were the puppets. They were the brothers. They were opposites. And then you had Ebenezer, who was like the screw. You know, he was like the he was like the cynic of the bunch. And then you had Silas the snail. So it was like very similar. The personalities were very similar. It was a very similar thing. I don't remember there ever being a beef between, you know, Sesame. You know, at that time it was uh, it was not Sesame Workshop. It was Children's Television Workshop slash PBS and and Nickelodeon over this over pinwheel but it was very similar thing but that's why I adored it I I was just so charming and um so many cool animated segments on it that were 
mostly a lot of European stuff, actually. French, a lot of English stuff from Britain on there, and a lot of British content. And I believe there was some Dutch stuff, some German stuff, it was, and some Japanese stuff. It was, really, it was really an interesting hodgepodge of like visual styles. And I think I, I was actually nerding out to that stuff already back then, which is crazy. But I loved it. I loved it. I love Pinwheel. I wish it was more readily available to watch. And it holds up. It holds up actually watching an episode of that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder if there's... Because there was no like revival of it, right? Like in, by, no. by 1990, it was dead. So I wonder who owns the IP. Is there any interest in bringing that back to a contemporary audience? Do you even bother trying to compete with the, the Dynamo, you know, the Dynamo of... Sesame Street, Sesame. not to mention with the internet and all that kind of stuff. Right, I mean, so much, many It's pretty things, much game yeah. over for that stuff I wonder. I know it was created by a woman, uh, Vivian Horner, who was really an integral part of the show, I think, throughout its run. And a little, a little, you know what the difference between, I'll tell you what the difference between Pinwheel and, and Sesame is, is there was a little less emphasis on educational and a little more emphasis on just sheer entertainment. Not that there wasn't educational. There was educational content in it. And... Not just in the sense of like addition and spelling and numbers and letters and all that kind of stuff. It did have a little bit of that, Sesame Street more so, but also the kindness aspect, all the stuff the kids have to, you know, all the thing, all the different things, sharing, cooperation, all that. Murder. Murder was a big one. <laughs> murder was, that was you can't do that on television probably. Yeah. There was probably a topic on murder. So the very, that was the only difference I, I remember being like, this seems a little more focused on just being fun, where Sesame was was and is still beholden to a very strict educational standard, you know, for good, for, for better or for worse, whatever you think of that. Are there studies, I mean, we're talking more about Sesame Street now, sure. but just tangentially, because I'm, yeah. I'm interested in this, and you would be privy to this being, you know, a lead designer there. Is there any evidence like other than we think it works but is there evidence that a child watching the count count or Bert and Ernie teach letters and stuff is there evidence that that works yeah oh absolutely you know what it is with there with Sesame's education and research and I work on the opposing end you know we're we're working on art and animation I'm on, a, on an in-house animation team at Sesame but their education and research is heavily beholden to still to this day, nothing's changed since it started in the 60s, the focus group, kids and parents putting stuff in front of them and seeing how it registers, you know, and I think I'm a little out of the loop on this. I, we deal with education, re, education and research people, but I think it's still a thing where they try to get a really mixed bag as far as who they're showing it to. They try to really cast a large net as far as diversity, like going to the inner city, going to the suburbs, you know, kids and families with different varying economic situations. So they cast a wide net. And I think it's still really beholden to what those focus groups say and think and their feedback, you know, so it is it is a proven thing just through that. You know, I know there's a lot of psychologists and children's psychologists and educational researchers and different people that kind of bring their skill set into that to kind of cultivate the content. But, and then, you know, there, and edu- you know, say what you want about Sesame Workshop. You have on one side, your Nickelodeons and your Cartoon Networks and your Disney channels, but Sesame Workshop isn't really a direct competitor. Sesame Street and all of Sesame's content isn't really a direct competitor because it's much, it's high, it's much higher. Sometimes you could see that as a, maybe a debt. Some people might see that as a detriment to the content because you could do less. You have less freedom to do to do what you want to do, maybe creatively, being beholden to a strict educational standard, whereas the other 
companies less so, their content less so. But yeah, that's a that's a proven thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I, I mean, it must be. I, w- I was just always just wondering, like, I wasn't watching it knowing that I was being educated. That's why I was, I mean, because I'm a dumb kid, but. No, that's what, that's what it should feel like, I think. You don't want to be, kids don't want to be beat over the head or talking down to, you know. I think that's something Sesame's always good at. And Nickelodeon and Pinwheel was the same thing. That was a really special show. It's amazing that it didn't have the staying power of Sesame Street because I think it was just as good in a lot of ways, you know. It, w- it was a little different. I guess it was different enough to stand out on its own, you know. And I think, thinking back, Nickelodeon really relied heavily and played maybe, you're talking about an hour-long show, I think they would play like three to five-hour blocks straight of just pinwheel. So there must have been a lot of it. Yeah, um, and you can repeat it. I mean, I must have been watching endless repeats from the 70s when I was a kid. That's another, That's true, too. So there's a, there's a ton of content there. I don't know if they were going all the way back to the 60s. I, I'm often curious about, like, what was I really watching? Like, what were the... Somewhere deep in the bowels of the building you work in in New York City is like the total run of show for all like everything that's ever aired on PBS and stuff like that. And it's like amazing. as a sequence, and I'm sure it would be pretty interesting to see like on you know January 10th, 1988. What what were you guys pulling from? Because I think it was just always different sequences of things as they would kick to an animation or they kick to a right. You know. No, absolutely. There was only a certain amount of things to draw from, and you had to put those into the pot, stir it, and that made your show. You know, so. Before we get any further, I, I have to ask you, this is more of a personal question, I sure. guess, in a way. I don't know if this would be interesting to the audience, but I must know. <laughs> you you mentioned something interesting in a previous episode that you were watching HBO. I think it was during the war movie episode we did. You had mentioned that we were, you were watching HBO at home. Yeah. And I don't... I remember it being a really dramatic thing that we had any cable at all. And dad and mom would do nothing but complain that we were having... That we had these channels <laughs> and we'd complain about... And I, we definitely didn't have HBO when I was a kid. So no. when... So what was your what was your access better to these things in the 70s and 80s than they were when when it dripped down to me in the mid to late 80s and 90s because i remember like dad would have none we didn't have like i remember like we didn't have sports channel which doesn't exist anymore but like couldn't watch the islanders games and like couldn't do certain things like dad always complained about about you, this you remember that you have memories of that yeah you know what's funny Carl? i we talked i talked about this a little bit my friend tommy factors in again because he always had hbo growing up and you know what the beacon on hbo was whether you knew whether you were watching it or not fraggle rock growing up in my generation if you were watching fraggle rock you had hbo if you didn't know what fraggle rock was you didn't have hbo we never as far as i know we never had hbo what had happened was we had an old if i'm remembering correctly there was Tommy and then Uncle Mike and Aunt Carla had cable at their house as well. So they had movie channels and maybe Nickelodeon at that point and all that. We never had proper cable until we had this old top loader VCR, which might have been our first VCR. <laughs> and it had a little, I don't know if you would remember this because you're so young, but it had a little flip down panel on it. So when you put, when you sourced over the TV to the VCR, you had this little flip down panel and I guess the auxiliary cable from the VCR was plugged into the TV. So what had happened was when you flipped over to the VCR power, you had this panel on there and I'm not a technical guy. So I'll just explain it from my perspective and somebody out there might know exactly why this is the way it is, but you could pro you could, there was these little dip switches and you, it opened up a whole nother thing of cable channels and a lot of them are scrambled, but some of them weren't. And that's how we first got Nickelodeon, USA, I think, because we used to watch Cartoon Express all the time. 
on USA. I don't know if you remember that. TBS, those were all cable channels at the time. And then eventually mom and dad sort of acquiesced and got Showtime, which was like, why are you getting Showtime? Like even that was like a shitty move back then. It was like <laughs> Showtime versus HBO. They must have found, they must have got it for cheap or found out yes. some some through way of getting it yeah, for next to friend. nothing or something because it was like really random. And Showtime will figure in some later shows that we do. But yeah, that's the way I remember initially getting those things. We put the VCR on, boop, you flip down the little thing. It opened up, a, you know, it just so happened that it just we were able to cheat and get those some of those channels in, you know. Scrambled Playboy was on there. Whoa. It was never well. Oh, I was a kid, you know. Yeah, you gotta, was, you gotta. I mean, I was my exposure to, to naked women was, you know, our our friends uh, Tim and Mike. Their dad had Playboy every month, and and he just hid them pretty much in plain what, sight. What the magazine? Yeah, and pretty pretty much in plain sight <laughs> in the in the closet. That was a thing then. They had Somebody's a water. They had, had a waterbed too, so everyone would just sit on the waterbed. Hey, <laughs> everyone would just sit on the waterbed with their own magazine. And just, <laughs> and I remember feeling like so. I never fully embraced it like they did, you know, like yeah. where I always felt like I was like, this is wrong. What if you're, they lived in a huge house. So like there was no danger of anyone coming home and finding you like, you know, you know, kicking back with a Playboy in your so hand. Hilarious. Good, good teaching tool for anatomy, though. There is no more print content. So we can't our, our sons can't and, and nephews and everything can't find out. I'll never understand. Like it's so sad. It is sad. Like I, I there's <laughs> this sounds kind of crude. I don't mean to be crass at all, but there is no, no. something special about like, you know, hooking up with a girl for the first time or whatever like getting you know and not really knowing what was going on because you had like just still images and like you know you know or like maybe you saw some video or something like there's probably just too not much though. education now where it, it ruins some of the mystique oh uh, this is why i love this show because we go off on these kind of tangents can i also p.s did you you might be a little too young for this but i literally had that experience that you hear of that's such a cliche of literally finding a case of dirty magazines in the sump like in the woods. Really? Oh, Were yeah. Were they like old? I don't know. Why was there... Why was... Why did every kid my age, Generation Xer, find dirty magazines in the woods? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Think about that. It's really strange. Why do we all have the same experience? There was a guy in every neighborhood in charge of putting those fucking things in the woods. It's just not talked about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things like like adults meet in the neighborhood and they're like, all right, Bill, it's... Uh, it's your turn to put the yeah the, the penthouses in the, absolutely. In the it's like Bill, Stan, Stan, listen, listen to me. You got you you're the guy with the most dirty magazines. You have to put some. These kids need to learn. Put <laughs> these these things to go in the woods, tear them apart a little bit. They got to sit in the rain a little bit for a little while because <laughs> the kids can't turn the pages. They got to really work at it. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So we had mentioned Dago a little bit. And this is obviously going to play prominently into our discussion of 1980s Nickelodeon, which is you can't do that on television. Oh, uh, my heart. And you can I have very vivid memories of watching this show. And I, I really loved two parts of it, which I'm sure we'll talk about because there are many sequences. It's basically a sketch comedy show. And there some people like Alanis Morissette was on it. There was like some famous people on it that ended up being yeah. pretty well known later she was on. on. And so you can't do that on television. My memory of it, and this is what I was talking about with our text, our texting before was my favorite part of it and I never thought it was weird. Mom and dad didn't think it was weird. No one thought it was weird. Was that they would they had this thing where they were about to execute someone. I love this thing. I this is cra- yeah, talk about this. So so they had this they had in in one of the many sequences they would do and you didn't know what you were going to get on any given show. They usually showed like some of the mainstays and this was one of them. Yeah. Was that there was like an execute he was like maybe I don't know if he was I in my I actually have not watched any footage of it. So I don't 
I think he was like Spanish or something. He was, yes. And he they would like line up a person like a like a kid. It or was someone, a kid. And he would be like blindfolded or something, and they would like be counting down towards the execution, and then something would happen where the guy'd be like, "Stop the execution! Yeah. Stop the execute!" And I'm like, no one, no one thought that this was a weird thing it for me to be cra- watching. It was out of it was out of control. Like, why was this a thing? Yeah, every skit would start with ready. Abe and the kid would be like, wait, wait, stop the execution. <laughs> and they would end up tricking the guy into getting shot himself. <laughs> the kid would always end up tricking the guy into getting into the firing squad shooting him. Which it, and it was like, yeah, why was this? A th- how? I mean, it's so, but it's so emblematic of just you can't do that on television in general because this show was so wrong and so wonderful in so many ways. It was incredible. So just for some, just for some basic information, yeah. it, you you can't do that on television. It ran from 1979 to 1990. There were varying levels of of orders for the show. The, the, there were seasons with five episodes, and then there were seasons with dozens of episodes. And it was Canadian. I think it was filmed in Ontario, and it was synonymous. So Pinwheel was synonymous in one way with Nickelodeon in the 70s, and it was Nickelodeon was called Pinwheel, so there was that connection. But 1980s. Nickelodeon and you can't do that on television go hand in hand with each other those those things are are peanut butter and jelly that's where the green slime comes from yeah that is still synonymous with Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon shows and we'll get into that with Double Dare and stuff that kind of went even crazier with it but there's a lot to love about this show and it, it goes back to what I was saying with the Grassy with the drunk driving stuff there were topics in the show about like alcoholism and drug use and sexuality and all of that it was really insane, and I, and I was really surprised in reading where they were like the early runs. So like 1979, 1980, 1981, those episodes were really heavy, and apparently they just stopped showing them. Like they didn't even show those episodes anymore. They were lost, and quote unquote lost. And I was reading something crazy where they they uh, not Nick Gas, which was a great channel, that doesn't exist anymore. But there was another there's another Nickelodeon ancillary like channel where they for the first time in like 30 years they showed recent more recently in the last few years those lost episodes that were like very heavy about you can't do that on television because it was it was humor it was humorous and funny but about really sadistic and strange things that I, and that's what I'm that's the executor is is so funny to me because I'm like what it's hilarious the fuck was that you never get away with that today. Never, never. in a million years. Are you kidding me? Because I did forget about the part where they literally would shoot and kill the guy. That was the whole thing, was setting up the guy to get shot instead. <laughs> the kid was tricking him into getting shot. Into- was it like an underpass or something? What? Like, I see this thing in my head where it was like... So, I, no, I don't know if you saw much of the setting. He had a... If I remember correctly, he had an eye patch and like a brown suit on. I don't know if he was, he was supposed to be Spanish of some kind. Cuban, Colombian, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe Cuban or something Because like Les that. Lai played him. He played everything. In the whole show, he played Ross, he played Barth, he played the dad, he played, and he played the executioner. Yeah, and it was just like the kid was like tied to a, a stake. He might have had a head, he might have had an eye scarf on at first, and then it was just pulled off, you know, when after he was like, stop, wait, wait, stop the execution, you know. <laughs> and he had a sword, he had like the sword. Yeah. And he was like, ready, aim. So that was, yeah, oh my God. It's so crazy in retrospect, how crazy that was. Like, it, the, the, this show, I mean, I could talk for ages about this show. I feel like I could have done the whole episode about this show. But supposedly this show started as like, let's make a show for kids that is beholden to absolutely no standard of education whatsoever. That was the whole thing. That And that's, 
please, that's my whole heart. Like that, that just makes me so happy that that was actually the philosophy behind this show. Look, we're just going to make something fun. Screw everything. This show has is beholden to nothing. This is not supposed to teach kids anything. What it basically what, and I think that might have been a little them parodying themselves a little bit because they did topics like I have a list here. There was and each show was based around a topic, right? Drugs, smoking, sexual equality, cosmetics, addiction. These are the these are the episodes that weren't banned. These are I'm reading to you the list that's not banned, <laughs> and. It also started out, which it was really interesting to me, when the show started, I have it here on my laptop, I want to read it to you. It was an hour-long show when it was first, and you were right, it was, it was done in Ontario, and it was, a local, it was a local thing in Ottawa. And basically, the show was broken up into different segments. They had a roving camera, like, kids on the, like interviewing kids on the street. They had music videos. They, had, they did have the comedy sketches. They had a spec. They had special guests on. It could have been a cartoonist or a performer of some kind. They have. They had bands doing live performances, sort of like a Saturday, almost like a Saturday Night Live for kids. Right. Which they, which Nickelodeon later revisited with all that and right with, with Roundhouse and all those shows. In the as 90s. far as I, as far as I understand, all that replaced you can't say that on television. I think that's what actually shoved it off eventually. And they had also they had like a I think they had a phone in contest to give away prizes and stuff like that. So it was only when Nickelodeon started partnering with this company and creating the content for Nickelodeon that they changed it, made it a half hour, pure sketch comedy based around a topic. And that's how it, you know, and that's how they got all those classic things that we remember, you know, and, you know, the different kids. It's so I get so nostalgic about you can't do that on television. And of course, like you said, the green slime. Do you remember what the catchphrase was? That you would get dumped with the slime? Do you remember Wasn't what you it had? wet or water? Water was that getting dumped with water. Oh, okay. So there was two things. Okay. So if you were going to get the green slime, you were setting somebody up to say, I don't know. Oh, okay. It was, I don't <laughs> know. Right. Then the green slime comes down. Water was, you get, if you say the word water, then water comes down. We, if you just had those two things and nothing else, we were just, as kids, we were like, what? This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I just remember specifically being like, what is that? And I was reading about what it is. It's like baby shampoo and food coloring. Oh, and I weird never stuff knew like that. that. Yeah. Apparently, they added shampoo to it because they, the performers could not get it out of their hair. <laughs> but it's so, like, I remember seeing that and being like, what is that? Yeah. And like, why can't I... I wanted to be slimed so oh, who didn't so bad. It's oh, I still do. Sounds like something a porn star might say. But <laughs> but I'm saying that low because there's other people in that. Although I was just screaming about how we were fighting porn magazines in the woods. So who, you know who, who really cares? knows? They can't hear. They can't hear us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I feel like that was so. That's such a seminal thing of them sitting in a chair, sitting on like, and they would show commercials like yeah, reels of of everyone just getting slimed in their faces. Sometimes they get mad because they'd miss. They would miss. It would just like hit their shoulder yeah. or something. Yeah, and you'd get like kind of mad, like, "Oh, what a waste!" Oh, that's you know? so great. But such an amazing, and I love how that became synonymous not with that show, but with Nickelodeon. That, that was like a thing with and 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 Double Dare. I think really made it even more popular. Yes, they brought it full circle. And we'll talk about Double Dare. We'll talk about your love affair with Robin. Uh, but what was your? You brought up Barth. That's the other the other skit of this of the comedy skits that I remember about the the shitty restaurant. So tell me a little bit about that. So Barth was like it was like a diner it was filthy so the whole setup was if you picture it there were two kids sitting at a booth and the you know the cook window was behind them so they would be having a conversation or whatever and then they would say the whole the whole gag was 
whatever the conversation was pertaining to, well, what do you think's in the burgers? And then they would open it up and it was like this disgusting burger. The whole set was really gross and disgusting. And then Barth would pop. He, Barth was like a fry cook. He was like a short order cook. And he was like filthy, like all gross and everything. And he would pop up and be like, duh, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true too. You know, and he'd lift it up and there'd be like flies in the burger. And it was like really graphic. It was gross. I mean, it was obviously fake, but it was gross. You know, or or he would pop up. The kids would be having a conversation about, I don't know, like poop or something. And then he'd be, you know, like, oh, did you, the farm smelled so bad today or whatever. This is a terrible example, but work with me. And he'd be like, well, what do you think's in the burgers? You know, and then they would, they would like throw up off screen. You know, it was like really irreverent and disgusting. That's right. They would like retch. They would but retch. But you wouldn't really see it. That's what, yeah, the, yeah. They would just go down off screen, you know. It's so, it's so funny, man. That show is really something else. Never and I was old. I was really young watching that show. Like I think a lot you were of this, really young watching I, that show. I think a lot of it was because because I'm the youngest of four, so I think I, I was just I just had access to very strange things that it I shouldn't have been on. watching. No, which we're gonna get into in another topic, which is the movies we shouldn't have been watching, which are many. For yeah, me. <laughs> you could argue we shouldn't have been watching you can't on television, but certainly you shouldn't have been watching. Yeah, I was like three or four or five years old watching <laughs> some of like, this stuff. Oh my god! And you're you're so right. This. Everything they pulled off on this show and got away with, they would never, ever be able to pull this off now. It's it's so funny. I almost feel like they pulled a fast one and got out. And I'm so proud of it. You know what I mean? Because it's like those days are over. I couldn't believe that it ran for so long. That Very like long. I, I For some reason, I was like, oh, this is... First of all, I didn't know that it started in the 70s. But the yeah. other thing is, is that... I thought it was like, oh, like maybe 83 or 84 to 87 or 88, but no, 79 to 90. Although right to 90. there were there were seasons, like I said, where there were barely any episodes. And I think that there were some production issues. Like, yeah. Like people didn't want to do the show anymore and some of the kids got older and left. Exactly. And then the show kind of fell off because they were trying to, it, they, they wanted, I think they wanted to treat it almost like a Saturday Night Live ensemble where people came and went. But Saturday Night Live really suffered in the 80s for that too. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like Saturday, the 80s and Saturday Night Live is like almost a dead zone. For a, like a lot of those years, like no one, like, can you really name any seminal skits? Like seven, the seventies had the seminal skits, and the nineties sure, had course. the seminal skits, but the eighties was really like that was a transitional, yeah, more transitional period. What show do you want to talk about next? I have, I mean, okay. I have a million of them written. You down, do. But I'm curious what what where do you want to segue from here? It's hard to segue because there's so many different things on Nickelodeon. It's sometimes it's hard to find a common thread. Well, I guess the common thread was that they're on Nickelodeon. You well, know what, what about, I'd like to talk about? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um. Because we might not get to it. And I'm actually very curious from your perspective how well you remember this show. Do you remember The Mysterious Cities of Gold? It was an anime series. No, I don't. I, I have that written down here with a question mark. So, no, I, okay. I, I remember the name, but I don't remember the show. It was an anime series. It actually aired on Nick a little later. and It, uh, it says it aired on Nick from 86 to 90. I was probably watching it in 86. Um, and it was an anime series. Very high quality, very beautifully done. And it was a French Japanese co pro, actually, which is like when you, when an animation nerd talks about a French Japanese co pro, like you're getting that's that or that just automatically means high quality. Those are like the two countries that I would say, with the exception of Canada and the United States as well, that were known, especially in that time, to do the most beautiful work. So it was a story about, first of all, it had a very it had a very, very catchy and cool opening theme song. So it opened up. I don't know how well you remember this. I want to show this to you in case you haven't ever seen it. But it opened up on a narrator's voice. And it was like 
zooming in really slowly on the planet Earth, and he was talking about the story. And then it would go into the theme song, which was really beautiful. But it was basically about a little boy named Esteban and his friends Zia and Tao. And they were searching for, I guess they were Incan. And they were searching for the, and it takes place in the past. I'm not going to say what year it took. I'm very bad with history, unlike you. But it took place in the past. It was obviously a period piece. You knew that just by looking at the outfits and the various things. But it had sci-fi elements to it as well. Almost, think almost like a cyber western type of thing, but with like more of an Incan or an Aztec bent. Very unique. And... There were So these three kids were searching for the, the seven fabled cities of gold and Esteban's father, who was an explorer. And the show sort of crosses over with actually real historical fact, like the explorers of that era, especially the Spanish explorers of that era and what they were looking for and the Incan and the, the Mayan treasures that they were looking for and everything. And so like El Dorado and whatnot. El Dorado was the whole thing. And I, in fact, I think they talk about El Dorado, actually refer to El Dorado in, the, in that opening narration. They talk about the road to El Dorado and the path to the mysterious cities of gold. And they have this giant mythical like golden condor that they fly. It's sort of like this post-tech thing that I guess they're, they're sort of a, you know, saying that the Aztecs created this thing. And it was, it's like this ancient thing, but it's like this modern thing. I, I guess it's all saying how advanced the civilization was that created this stuff. And just beautiful and really unique, especially for its time, because it was very dramatic. And each episode, it was certainly not a one-off. This series started, I don't remember exactly how many seasons it had, but it aired originally in Japan from 82 to 83. And then it aired on Nick, they aired it from 86 to 90. And it actually had a beginning and an end. And every episode threaded through to the next episode. And it felt like such a weird thing for Nick to option and pick up and put on their channel and play. I, th I believe they played it every day. And I have such fond memories of it. It was beautiful. It was It was also one of, one of my introductions, to, one of the earliest anime things that I saw. Because like I said in the anime, when the anime was underground episode, you know, we ingested what we were given. It was like we happened to have Voltron on television. We happened to have space, you know, space battleship Yamato. We happened to have Robotech. We happened to have Mysterious Cities of Gold. Whatever they put on, that's what we had. You know, those were our only, that was our only frame of reference. So that was a really special show to me. And actually, when the internet started to get become a thing, I guess I was in the middle of my college career at that point. That was one of the first things I've like really investigated. Because I remembered it so fondly, I hadn't seen it in so long. So I would go on like fan sites and listen to the theme song, and look at the episode synopsises. And I forgot how it ended, so I w went and saw the script, the last script for how the show ended. And so that was a really special one too. Do you have any memory of it? You were really young for that. Yeah, show. I vaguely I, I remember the name. Okay. Like the, the the I have to. It will either when I see the intro or something, we'll, we'll look up after we're done. Yeah, it will either resonate with me or not. Super cool. I'm surprised that you didn't want to start with this one, although I don't. I don't know that. I to me, this is a Nickelodeon show. It's not the important thing to note here is that yeah. depending on where you're from, these aren't Nickelodeon shows. These were shows that were on some different type, like CTV yeah. in Canada and all that kind of stuff, or you know, some of these shows are, like you were saying were French, yeah. etc. So again, these are shows that through my lens or our American lens are Nickelodeon shows. So I want to be clear about that. But Danger Mouse oh. is is. one of your favorites. One of my favorites of all time. 1981 to 1992, it ran on Nickelodeon. And 161 episodes. And I, I remember really, really 
really loving that show. And I was I was watching for the first time in forever some clips of it. And I was like, yeah, this is so beautiful. It's a little crude, actually, but it's 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 very memorable for me. So tell me a little bit about Danger Mouse, because I that that show to me, if you could ask, like, what what five properties of any kind that reminds you of Dagan, right? I'd be like, well, Danger Mouse is definitely, definitely one of them. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about that. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite cartoons of all time. And you know what I think was so special about Danger Mouse? It was when Nickelodeon optioned it, because it was done by a studio in, in, in England, obviously, called Cosgrove Hall Films. And they originally did it for Thames Television over there. And Nickelodeon optioned it like they optioned so many things. And whoever was doing, P.S., whoever was optioning this stuff for Nickelodeon during these, this era or this, these eras was brilliant. I mean, this was like, this was like my long lost kindred spirit. That was because everything they optioned, I loved. And it was almost, in retrospect, it, there were strange things to option. The show had, it was very different than most American cartoons. First of all, it had a very wry very typically British sense of humor to it. It was created to spoof things like, of course, James Bond, basically, and other things that we are less familiar with in the States, like Danger Man. This was a direct parry to this. It was almost it was almost like Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse, Bob Kane's Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse parodying Bob Kane's Batman. It was almost the same thing. This was it was it was a secret agent mouse and his little sidekick, and they lived in a postal post box. And they fought crime. They fought this evil frog, basically, character. And it had such a wry sense of draw and dry sense of humor. And it was also a little more serious than most other cartoons. Not that it was serious and it felt really, you know, really heavy in any particular way, but it had sort of a special vibe to it that felt you know, like a little more action, a little more no-nonsense. And I know originally when Brian Cosgrove and his partners created the show, they wanted it to be an actual serious cartoon. Like, they didn't want it to be comedic. They wanted it to almost be like a like an animated James Bond movie. And people at that time were like, that doesn't make any sense. Kids will hate that, for right or for wrong. I don't know how well I agree with that. But I loved the show, for all the way from the theme song, obviously. And then... And I believe we made, we used to make a lot of homemade skate videos growing up and, you know, edit from VCR to VCR, you know, go out and film with like really crude uncle's camera or something, edit VCR to VCR, put parts together, really crude graphics and then pick music. I think I had a skate park to the Danger Mouse song because it was like DM, you know, it was like, that was my thing. Which is your logo on Twitter, your icon. And that's what I still use on Twitter and, and Instagram. Yep, that's right. And Instagram. Hint, hint, go follow him. <laughs> so Danger Mouse is always a really special one to me. And when I, it's so funny that you brought that up because when I was researching it, I had no idea there were that many. Two things surprised me when I researched the show. I already knew a lot, but d- how long it ran and how many episodes there were, which is insane. And oftentimes the show went, during its production, went so far over budget because they would get Sometimes an episode, a very short episode, like a seven-minute episode, would be like 2,000 drawings. And it's so funny because the animation doesn't look really lush. It's, the animation doesn't really feel super full. But they were really sweating bullets on this thing. They were really putting a lot into the show. And, of course, during that time, it was all traditionally animated and cell-painted. Really special. Really special to me. And 
something that was of that time and of that era and I don't think could ever really be duplicated. It was just like a special little little thing going on with that. You know, a special little magic that was unique to that specific thing. You know, definitely one of my most influential. It's just just brilliant. Just brilliant. I really highly recommend it to everybody. Just go watch a couple of YouTube, a uh, couple of episodes on YouTube if you can. You know, they're short. They're very easily digestible. And they're, they're just a lot of fun. You know, a lot of fun. And great character design. I love the characters. Yeah, the designs are awesome. Designs are so good. I agree with you there. Yeah, that show will always remind me of you. We mentioned this earlier. Maybe it was a better maybe it was a better parallel show to bring up with You Can't Do That on Television, but we, we'd be remiss not to talk about Double Dare. Uh. Double Dare was live action, 1986 to 1993. There were different iterations of it. So there was Double Dare. There was Family Double Dare. There was uh, a super sloppy Double Dare, which I don't really understand exactly what the I difference was. I remember that. And actually, it's interesting because... I didn't realize this too. Fox, the Fox Channel, which we know today very well, was 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 nascent in in, in, in its infancy in the in the mid to late eighties. And Double Dare ran on Fox for a little while too, which I didn't know. I didn't know. That but either. but for the most part, it's it's tied to it's tied, we tied to Nickelodeon. It's, it's hosted by Mark Summers, who you guys might know and recognize today. He he actually came back and became quite popular because of that show Unwrapped on Food Network. Yeah, that was on forever. So he's you might, a big producer. I think he produces a lot of content on the Food Network and. What's the other one? Cooking Channel? I think he's invo- very heavily involved with those. Yeah, he, se- he seemed to just segue. You know, he, he's yeah more behind the camera than, than in front of the camera Absolutely. for the most part today. Double Dare, for those that don't know, Double, uh, Double Dare for me, for daytime Nick in the 80s and 90s was completely... That would be the show someone would mention first. If you were like Nickelodeon, they'd be like Double Dare. So basically what it was, we'll talk about basic Double Dare, was two teams, typically... Competing each other, competing against each other, answering trivia questions, and they could opt to answer the question, or pass the question, or do a physical challenge. <laughs> and it was always really confusing why you wouldn't just do the physical challenge because that's all anyone cared about anyway. And the physical challenge was always this absurd thing. You had, like you had like someone would wear like a, a burlap sack, and you had to like throw frisbees into it or something like that while they were wearing something like that. And then they would gain get points, and then it all culminated at the end of the twenty four minutes in an uh, an eight part obstacle course. That if you completed it, you got like you know a big screen TV or something like that. And it was this amazing show that is so embedded. We were actually watching footage of it last night, you and I. And it it is so quintessentially eighties. The set it, it has almost that vector look to it. The set. With like the the parallel or the lines that are parallel to each other, and then it, you know it looks yeah. almost like graph paper. Very distinctive. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The the logo is very 80s. With the, they almost look like donut. Like the D's were almost like donuts <laughs> with like sprinkles on them. <laughs> and it was this this very strange show. Mark Summers was a very charismatic host. He was very good at it. He was. They had a, a host who was synonymous with the show. We only knew him as Harvey, and he and he was like the he was like the the announcer. That would like you know introduce the kids or introduce the families or introduce the prizes, and then they had Robin who D- Dagan had a crush on who was like kind of she <laughs> was really kind of did. like she was kind of like the head of and we were watching that so I'm like yeah Robin was pretty cute we, she she had she was like basically in charge of like setting every like having her team set everything up because what was so impressive about it from a production standpoint to me I didn't realize it was production at the time was like how quickly it was all live to vi- it was all live to tape the whole thing was live to tape. It wasn't. This wasn't an edited thing. And doing live to, for what live to tape for people that don't know means is that when you see a show on television that's not 
live being broadcast live it's still easiest from a production standpoint to tape it live with no edits and i used to do stuff like that at ign and it was a major pain in the ass to edit those things if you if you like it's just it's a totally unnecessary step so they would really film this thing in real time and it was just amazing how they were able to 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 get everything on and off and clean up. You have people with brooms and mops, and they were like, I "Remember that?" It was it was like squeegees, it, yeah, like it was because people would break their the, the thing looked like a skating rink almost. It looked so slippery. Sometimes. People did fall a lot. Yeah, oh yeah. Do you remember that? I can't believe the they must have signed waivers like crazy. They had show. to have. And and it really was this culmination of this obstacle course where people would like so they had these flags, these red flags that were like triangular flags, and you would have to get eight of them. And you have to do whatever it took to get the flag. So sometimes you just have to climb up to like a slide and then slide down. The slide would be covered in all of this like ice cream looking goop. And there, stuff was, like that. there was like giant banana split, right? I'm not yeah, imagining yeah. No, there were. So like, yeah, they'd be really basic like the one I just described where you yeah. just slide down and then grab the thing and you'd hand it off to your partner yes. and they would run to the next one. That's and right. And so on and so forth. But then there were some like really crazy ones like a like a faux banana split or faux ice cream sundae where you'd have to <laughs> dig through it to find the flag. And, and there, it used to it used to frustrate me to watch it sometimes because like some of the teams were so bad. So bad. At it. They would just squander their opportunity. They wouldn't get past like the second or third obstacle. Oh, sometimes they would miss the eighth one just by a split second. Sometimes, right. sometimes I used to be so impressed. I used to watch Nick Gas, which was a channel that ended in like 2007 or 2008, but all it did for 24 hours a day for years was just play old Nickelodeon shows. Yeah. Ramon and I used to get stoned in college and watch it. That was games and sports, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, so we would just get, you know, take the bong and like and smoke and like watch these shows all day. <laughs> The joke goes, by the way, that Ramon quit his job at American Eagle just so he can watch more of the more Nick Gas, <laughs> which amazing. is a dead serious. Oh, I hope that's true. There was always a joke that at, at in a certain time every year, Ramon would quit his job. He was a Boston Market delivery man and just quit his like I think he like was going on like he was supposed to like cater something. He was like, I'm not doing this. He just left. <laughs> Stuff like that's that. amazing. So the joke when we were living, like when he was living with our friend Pablo, it's like he just quit his job at American Eagle or something like that to, I think it was to American Eagle to, to watch Nick Ass, so we could just watch Nick Ass all day, which is all we did for like an entire summer. That is that is brilliant. And it, you like almost gotten, we almost got like invested, like in, and we get man some, and every once in a while you'd see a team that would dominate. They they'd have like twenty five seconds left on the clock and would like have the the last flag, you know. <laughs> That's so it's awesome. so funny. So what are your memories of the show of Double Dare? I loved it. I loved it. It was the first it was the first game show ever cuz we grew up in the era of game shows 70s and 80s. Are you kidding me? That's all that was on television was game shows. Especially Whammy. during daytime TV, right? Oh, no way. Press your luck. Yeah, I love press your luck. Oh, press your luck was the Just best. as a quick aside, yeah. I, when I was a landscaper in college, we had a we had an apartment on campus like it was an, it was I was a landscaper at Northeastern like Northeastern's landscaping staff. Yeah, on they the- had like an apartment off off campus where they would all congregate and like we would eat and they had like lockers and they would, it would be a place where you'd hide sometimes because you don't want to work and <laughs> if i'm being perfectly honest and uh, if it was snowing or raining like everyone congregate there and all we watched five years was was game show network oh. and dude i i became I forgot about game show network and so this is where i saw i i was like so invested in, in press your luck and so good and what the, else uh thirty two thousand dollar pyramid or whatever good and show um what was the one where they would be like you know, Joseph went to the museum okay. and he blanked the dinosaur, you know, and then it would be like six, it would be like six celebrities from the seventies and they would, and the people that were playing the game would like oh, try to guess what Hollywood they, squares. No, 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 no. It was similar to that, but it oh, was, okay. it was the guy, one of the guys with the long microphones. There would oh be like God. two people uh, like on the set. Please that tell would, me it was Bob Eubanks. It might've been Bob Eubanks actually. He was everywhere. And it, it I, I, why can't I remember the name of it? And it was basically like two people, and they would basically be like, "Oh, he petted the petted the dinosaur," 
And then they would be like, oh, you know, it would always be like kind of sexually tinged where you'd want them to say like, oh, oh you fucked the I dinosaur know. or whatever. And then, I don't know and, if I know that And show. then they would go to all the celebrities okay. and they would be like, you know, and they would put their card down. Oh, and they would get points based on if they matched the answers or not. There's totally people yelling at the podcast yeah. right now. Like, yeah. Dagan, you're an idiot. Like, what? how do you not know this? Anyway, that's a total aside. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So. Oh wait, what game show were we talking? We talking about? We were talking about, we were talking about Double Dare. So, oh, sorry. I, I, totally, Double I totally interrupted you. Well, I love well, I love game shows. Like I would get lost in a game show because especially with Grandma and Grandpa, and Granny and Gramps, like they would. That was the game show. That was all it was on. You know, maybe a little Bob Ross was thrown in there as well. But Double Dare for me was the first game show that I remember. It was the fr- there might have been other kid game shows that came before, but I don't remember if there was. We were so psyched on Double Dare when it came out that we would set up Double Dare sets in the backyard, really crude with like cardboard boxes and stuff, and play it and try to set up the obstacle courses. They sucked, you know, they weren't anything. We were so jazzed by it, like that we would actually try to replicate it in the backyard, like try to do what they did in the backyard. That was like my dream. And maybe still a little bit is my dream to be on Double Dare, like that era of Double Dare. So, so good. I That show never got old. It never got old. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The the game show, the initial, of course, you could answer the question and take the physical challenge, but the initial game show leading up to who was going to do the obstacle course, because the obstacle course was the prize. That's where you were trying. The two teams, teams were competing to get to that obstacle course, correct? Right. That, that, okay. Yeah, they were earning points with physical challenges or answering questions to get to that point. So you get to answer a question or you could pass it to the other team, right? Right. But then the other team could pass it back to you. If they I think they can it. force you to take the physical challenge. Like, yeah, so if you didn't know... That's right. So if you didn't... Right. They would add, that's exactly right. So we had the okay. format a little wrong. Okay. Mark Summers would ask a question. You yeah. could answer it and didn't know it. You pass it to them. They might not know it. Or they might think you're stupid. Or they might want you to fail the physical challenge. And then they would pass it back. Yes. Which would force you to take the physical challenge. And then if you didn't do it right, then they would get the point. Because there was some kind of strategy where you could actually... Because they sh- I watched the YouTube video during my research of a team... I don't know who filmed this or whatever, and it had all the commercials on it and everything too. So it might have been the family of this team. They were pa- they were using this strategy that was like they were passing the thing so it would pass back to them. In other words, bluffing that they didn't know it, but really risking it because the other team knew it. They would just get it. Right. Just completely trouncing on the other team and making them look like idiots. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And it had it in the description, like, look what this team's doing or whatever. And they kept doing it over and over again. And the other team was falling for it over and over again. It was weird. So I never remembered that dynamic of the show where you could do that. That kind of made it interesting. They gamed it. <laughs> you know, because we were so hung up on the physical challenges and the obstacle courses. It's like, what else? You, you didn't want them to know. Like, yeah, you were just waiting for the obstacle waiting course. For it. The you physical know, challenges was, were a nice little, you know, appetizer. Yeah, that was neat. But you, but you wanted because it wasn't. They weren't quite as messy. It wasn't quite as heinous. And that right. was everyone dreamed to, to slide down that slide. Oh, and, so fun. You know, just get disgusting or whatever. By the way, the game that I was mentioning is called Match Game. Match and, game, I don't know it. And uh, yeah, match game was was the game that that I was I was describing. In okay. case you were curious, Card Sharks was another one, by the oh, way. Oh, Card Sharks was huge. And Price is Right. How can oh. you leave out Price is Right? Oh, of course, Price is Right. Uh, and actually, the big GSN draw was Family Feud, and oh. which one you were going to get? Were you going to get the Ray Combs one? You didn't really want the Ray Combs one no. from the late eighties, the mid to late eighties. No. You, you you wanted what was the guy from the seventies? It uh, was um oh gosh the guy that would kiss everyone. R- Richard 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 Dawson Dawson. Yeah, that was literally so. For, all right, oh, so I love that. Guy. This is a total aside. Okay, but for the audience out there, especially our younger listeners that might not be familiar with this, please. Family Feud has had many, many hosts. Yes, right. Even Richard Karn was was a host for a long That's time. That's right. Feud. And obviously Steve Harvey. Yes, who's hilarious. By he's the way, current. The current. I think guy? so. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a, he works a lot. He does a lot. 
But Richard Dawson was the host. This guy named Richard Dawson was the host of Family Feud in the 70s. And then I think into the early 80s. And this was when Family Feud it had like the really like like folksy music. Love and it. the family would like be in a silhouette. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. So like the family of five, like when they would introduce today they introduced the family <laughs> and it's like they're just already standing there and they 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 dick around a little bit. Back in the day, they would introduce family, be like in the Miller family, and then and then it would be like them, like all posed in a certain way, like with a silhouette. And then they would ra- like they would raise up and they would run and like scream. So at- good. And Richard Dawson would kiss on the lips. Yes. Every single woman. Every woman and girl and girl on the show. Every every female. Sing- yep. Every female. Yes. Just kiss them right on the lips. Absolutely. It was insane. He was brazen. It was. I abs- loved that guy. He was. If I'm not mistaken, am I mistaken? He was the bad guy in. Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Running Man. Was he? I don't know. Believe I believe so. I believe he was the bad guy. He was like he w- he hosted the sh- the game you know the game show, the nefarious game show that killed everybody. He was the host of that thing. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. Only to be surpassed in my eyes by Chuck Woolery of Love Connection. Oh, Chuck! W- I'm a big Chuck Woolery guy. I am too, and I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. something sad about Chuck Woolery. Okay. Oh. I don't because I don't know when or how or why this happened. Okay. Chuck Woolery has blocked me on Twitter. What? Yeah. Wait. First of all, Chuck Woolery's alive still. Yeah, Chuck Woolery's <laughs> alive. He has a Twitter account. Are you sure? And he has blocked me on Twitter. Is this just some random? No, Chuck dude. Woolery? It's Chuck Woolery with a blue check mark next to his he name. He blocked you on Twitter. He blocked me on Twitter. Chuck what? Woolery has blocked Colin Moriarty on Twitter. I'm upset now with Chuck Woolery. Go ahead and tweet Chuck Woolery and ask him. Chuck Woolery, I'm going to see you in two and two. Two and two. <laughs> I, by the way, the, the thing that confounded me for years about Love Connection, we're getting way off topic, but which is fine. The thing that confounded me about Love Connection all the yeah. time is on the set, there was a microphone that was built in to the, like, I know exactly set, what you're talking and about. And it looked like a handle. I was like, for years, I was like, why is there a handle? Why is that there? there? Anyway, double dare. <laughs> he blocked you on on Twitter? Yes. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't even know how this guy's I think still he's alive. a syndicated radio show host now. Is he really? I think so. I'm gonna look into this. You have to. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. He. I'll, I'll show you the block when I when we're done here. I'll show you that Chuck Woolery has indeed blocked me. Have you ever um, had any kind of exchange with him? No. That's really never. I was so kind of crestfallen when it, when I found out because someone someone tweeted at both of us or I saw something pop up and I clicked on his name and it's like you are blo- Chuck Woolery. You are blocked by Chuck Woolery. And I'm like, what? What? It almost makes you want to cry. That's heartbreaking, Chuck. Um, I just wanted to ask you one more question about Chuck Woolery. Okay. What? How does Twitter work? Can you can you accidentally block somebody? Maybe he just blocked you by accident. I think you maybe can block. Because I'm not accident. a big, you know, I'm still new on Twitter. Right. I'm really a Twitter. And no one's really been that mean to you yet, so you haven't had to block anyone. No, thanks I, I for think that. I, now I, somebody's gonna be super mean to me. Why did you have to say that? I'm sorry. I think I've, I've blocked <laughs> thousands of people on Twitter. Over. I, I, have you really? Oh yeah. Is it? But I'm saying, do you have to go through a big thing to do it? Um, no, or is it not really? Like you have to, like click, you have to like click a like a drop down and then do it. So it's not really something you can do on accident. I I'm gonna think. get. I think we're gonna get Chuck Woolery to unblock you. I, I'm I'm very. I'm not. I'm not this. pleased about it. You know, I'm not pleased no. that Chuck Woolery blocked me. No, it was really like one of those things. I was like, it, people block me all the time. I'm not worried about that. But Chuck Woolery, I'm like, I haven't had an interaction with you, and it's kind of like ruining my memory of love connection. Chuck Woolery's got to be like 98 years old. Maybe I, not. I don't know. He when he did love connection, I bet you he was like 40. No way. Are you serious? He had dude. Be... Everyone looked older back then. Dude. That's true, especially the women. Like if you, if you, I think I was watching oh Caddyshack, like one of my favorite movies. You know, yeah. the hot blonde in Caddyshack. Yes, she's totally sexy, but I'm like she, I'm like she looks like she's 35. I think she's supposed to be like 20. You know, and oh like, in the in the movie, yeah. And I'm like, you look like you're 35 years old. It, it was different. It was, it was totally different like it was totally then. different back then. Like like there were no nerds back then. 
If Chuck Lilly was a nerd, he probably would look like he was 18 doing that show. That's true. Yeah, I think I think looking older and stuff, the other guy that gets away with that for me, like I was, I'm a, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm a big fan, but I really like Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, and great. so I watch I watch their live con- stuff sometimes as they put it out these days. Yeah, and he looks older in the videos from the 80s than he looks now. <laughs> it's really weird. Like like he looked like he was pushing 60 years old. I know what you mean. In, That's in the really... video for Do You Believe in Love, he's looking like he's 60 years old, and he looks younger performing that on stage in 2017. It was the Coke. All right. Sorry. Now I'm going to be blocked by Huey Lewis on this. <laughs> Whatever. So Double Dare was, there was, this is crazy to me. I didn't realize there was this many, 482 episodes of Double Holy Dare. Holy cow. 482 episodes. That's amazing. Between Double Dare, Family Double Dare, and Super Sloppy Double Dare. Super which again, sloppy. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to know. <laughs> you know what? I don't even want to know. Holy shit. I want to give a shout out to this show. I know we discussed this show and you said you didn't remember it, but this is a really seminal show to me. Okay. And this was the Nick Gass obsession, by the way. This was the show. Okay. That I absolutely never missed for like an entire year of my life in college. <laughs> what is it? It was on a 2 a.m. every day in, in college. Finder, finders Keepers. I don't remember this show. I can't believe you don't remember this show. I don't remember. The only thing I, the only reason, I'm, and I'm cheating, I remember the name is because I worked in an animation studio where we did Nick Gas. We did all their online content. Like we did the whole website, all the animation, all the game, you know, when web ga- web games were a thing, right. you'd go to Nick.com or Nick Gas or whatever and play the games. We, that's the only reason I know that name. I don't remember that show at all. Tell me about it. Because so, I don't. Okay. I'll tell you about Finders Keepers. Yeah, tell me about Finders Keepers. And there's a Philadelphia connection to Finders Keepers, by the way. Is that right? So from 1987 to 1989, the show was produced. It probably was on for a few years after that. 195 episodes. The first two seasons were taped here in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Yeah, interestingly enough. And then it moved to L.A. Because nothing goes on here. Yeah, it was, I think, like, at just, like, one of the local television networks. Like, one of the, I, I don't think it was supposed to be, like, a Nickelodeon show. I think they, like, bought it. Oh, wow. And the idea of the show, they had multiple, like, different hosts. Larry Toffer, I think, was like the guy that I, I I knew the most. Okay. The idea of the show was just like any other show of the time, and, and, and similar shows to it. Two teams of kids, two kids on each team, and they would answer trivia. And if you got a question right, you like were scoring points, and then eventually there was this house set. So like you so like the kids were the the audience was there. There was like kind of to the side, to the left was like the two podiums and the host podium, and then. There was a set of a house, like an eight-room house, like a living room, the, your mom's bedroom, the bathroom, like a closet, all this kind of stuff. And it was like a – so it was like almost like it was cut in half so you can see it. And like the host would come out of the front door in the beginning of, the, of and like, you know, introduce everything. And then kids would go into the room. So they'd be like, all right, let's go into the house. And like they would the, – the, the two kids would go and they'd go to the, the closet and they'd be like – you know, they'd give them a hint like, this garment, you know – is something your mom might wear to an interview or something like that. And then you'd be like, go. And you'd have like 30 seconds and the kids would just destroy the room. Oh, Looking wow. for like tearing everything apart. So it was like in the closet, like there was all these, it was all beautifully done. Like the shoe boxes, the shoes laid out, the the shirts on the hangers and stuff. And you would just rip everything apart. That looking for so like, looking for the, the blouse or whatever that she would wear. And that was like the show. So like, yeah, you would go into the basement and they would be like, you know, it would be like a hint where it would be like a bowling pin. Right, and it would be all the shit over the place, and you're looking for the bowling pin. And then if they, they if they'd find it, they'd like wave it in the air, and the, and, the, and it would be over, and they'd get a point or whatever it would be. Okay. And then if not, like the host would be like, "Oh, you didn't find it," and he would know exactly where it was, and he would go grab it and show it to them. And that was the game. And then at the end, the culmination was you had a they had to go through all eight rooms and find something in all eight rooms in like you know two minutes or something like that. That and sounds fun. It was awesome. Like that was the you were saying Double Dare, which I wanted to be on Double Dare too. But that was Finders Keepers was a show as a kid where I was like, I want to be on the show. The show looks 
totally wild. That sounds fun. It wasn't what was a, it a cross section of a house? Is that how? What, was that the set? Did yeah, you it was the set. Yeah, it was basically just a house, but like almost cut down the middle so you could yeah, see it. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I do remember it. I think I, it's starting to come to me now. I loved that show. That does sound fun. When yeah. did that air originally first? Eighty-seven air? to eighty-nine. Oh, I should know it then. And it was yeah, and, and I really really loved that show. And what I really loved about it in watching it in college in my stony years <laughs> was that they a lot of the game things they would give away were NES games. So like they would be like little commercials for like Castlevania two or or Metal Gear or something like that. A lot of Konami and Ultra stuff. That's awesome. It was really really cool. I loved that show. And yeah, when we were done here, I'll, I'll pull up a yeah. You'll, you gotta you'll, show you'll me remember this. it. You'll remember it. Yeah, it'll ring a bell once I see it. I'm getting old. I have a few other shows that I want to discuss, but what 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 do you what, what's next on your list? You know what? There was one really weird to talk about the Ying to the mysterious cities of gold Yang. Was there? Do you remember this? There was a really bad cartoon that I think played before Mysterious Cities of Gold every morning, and I think it was on really early in the morning called Spartacus. Do you remember it? No, I don't. I don't remember that. I, I actually I didn't that. research it in depth, but it was just a really. Even as a kid, I was like, "This is a piece of." It was just like a. It was like an adventure cartoon. Really poorly drawn, and it was on every day for years. That's what I remember about it. It would, and it, I would just, it would just be on because I would be waiting for the mysterious cities of gold to come on. That was the whole thing, you know. Um, that was one that I wanted to bring up, and I don't think I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a bunch again, like in Nickelodeon's heyday of just optioning things, because I know, I think I know one that you're gonna bring up that I hope that you'll bring up and I think you are going to bring it up but I'm going to say there was a bunch of anime cartoons and you you'll probably remember a lot of these that most of them were anime or Japanese whether they were produ- produced by Toei or one of the other j- big Japanese Sabin or one of the other big Saban one of the other big Japanese animation conglomerates but there was Maya the Bee which I never realized was from actually the 70s from the mid seventies and it wasn't optioned on Nickelodeon until the late eighties, early nineties, which is crazy to me. Super adorable. Maya the Bee, Noozles, The Adventures of Little Koala. Yep, I have that I have that written down. Bell and Sebastian. Yep, I have that written down. And David the Gnome. David the Gnome is the one yeah was the... Yeah, I remember you watching that show. I love that show. That was Tom Bosley who did the voice yep. of David the Gnome. Um Tom Bosley. <laughs> Mr. Cunningham. Yeah, Mr. Cunningham. I, well, I know Tom Bosley to these days reminds me of the Family Guy skit where Stewie's on a plane with Brian. It's like one of the cutaways where they're like, I don't know this one. Is that Stewie's like just sitting on the plane and he's like, is that Tom Bosley? <laughs> and, 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 and Brian's like, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, just look and see if he reacts. He's like, Tom Bosley. And then like ducks behind the, <laughs> the thing or whatever. That's like the whole skit. So that's what it reminds me. That's of. amazing. And that's literally the five and hefty, seconds. Hefty skit. trash bags. Right. He did, didn't he do the hefty ad campaign, Tom Bosley? I don't remember. Is that too nerd, nerded out? I think he did something with like, like I want to say. Later, I feel like he did something with um, diabetes or something like that, too, or some sort of medicine. I don't. Oh, you might be right about that. I know that people are thinking Wilford Brimley. That that too. Yeah, no, not. I think Tom Bosley did something with some sort of medication. I know. I think he did. Yeah. So that that was one thing for me that was really memorable, especially Maya the Bee. But that whole block, that whole sort of era of when they optioned all those Japanese cartoons, which were actually pretty old at the time. They they probably you know what probably happened? They got them on the cheap. And they filled up. That was originally how they were populating Nick Jr., I think, before Nick, when Nick Jr. was just a portion of Nick 
before it broke off to be its own channel. Right. Nick Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, right. Nick Jr., I think, began 88 or 89. I was in nursery school or kindergarten. I think, yeah. And I remember it being like a big deal. I remember the logo really well. It was like two images over each other. One said Nick, one said Jr. Super cute. And yeah, they would do like an adult elephant and a baby elephant yeah, or something. Right? Something like that. Right. Yeah. And that was where Eureka's Castle was on. Eureka's Castle started in 89. It went to like the mid 90s. Eureka's Castle was almost kind of like a Sesame Street. Yeah. I don't remember it, was, it that It was very well. puppet-driven. Yeah. Eureka's Castle. I, I, re- I remember that show so well. It was well. cute. Um, they had, like, the bat creature and, like, the wizard. Yes. And stuff like that. That's right. So, I was a fan of that show. I mean, I, I remember that. But David the Gnome, I didn't realize this, realize this about David the Gnome. David the Gnome was actually Spanish. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, which I didn't... I, I thought it was Japanese, too. Like, when I was rec- when I was looking it up, I'm like, this is definitely Japanese. Just, yeah. Just based on the way it looks. And I didn't remember the way it looks. And I looked. At, 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 and actually, what... Interestingly, what made me think it was Japanese was Swift. Swift is the, is the fox. The fox. And that just seemed like a Japanese touch. Yeah. But it, it does seem like it. And so David the Gnome, it was called The World of David the Gnome, was on from... It started in 1987, and, and there weren't, I don't think, that many episodes. Okay. It started here in 1987. It was probably optioned. It was probably maybe in the early to mid-80s. And it was about, for people that don't know about, David and his wife Lisa, who were gnomes, they were really small. And it was funny. I was reading about them, like how small they were supposed to be. They were really small. Like okay. A, a few inches. Oh, and when, really and when you when you look at and they would ride this fox around named Swift, they would like hold on to a spar and like ride around, and they were fighting these like enemies. Then uh, they were uh, they were trolls, and it's funny because I don't remember anything about the plot at all. I don't remember Me what either. I don't remember what the point of it was. I don't remember no, what anyone was doing. I just remember that like they were they were like I remember what they looked like, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had and Dad still has okay the concrete gnome. Outside the door, the front door of our house, we had that in Brookhaven at Marie Court. We had that in Brookhaven on Woodland, and we and now Dad brought it with him, I think, to the place in the, Hamptons. the Hamptons. We're going to the Hamptons, and <laughs> we're, we're going to do a Seinfeld episode foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And I like it. So that I think kind of played it up in my mind as a kid, where I'm like, because it was Dad painted that thing several times, like different colors, like the hat and the clothes and whatever. But there was a red and blue motif that dad did at one point. I think that was simultaneous to David the Gnome for me. And I don't know if dad did that to make it seem like David the Gnome. And I think that's something dad would do <laughs> without like... ever saying anything to anyone. Cause that's, that's something amazing. dad would do. That is amazing. But that was kind of like my, my tether to that. It, it was like this heavy, I can't believe it still survives cause it's literally a concrete. I can't believe it hasn't been eroded and weathered. It ha- It is concrete. Yeah, you're right. It still, it still exists. Eventually it's just going to be like a pillar. Stone. It's just going to be like a pillar of concrete. <laughs> Dad keeps leaving that thing out in the rain. I wrote down a bunch of them. And, and so I, I like I remember Belle and Sebastian, but not very well. And a few of the other ones. I wrote down Maya the Bee. Dora. I mean, I wrote down a lot. I wrote down a lot of them. Out of, do you remember the show Out of Control with Dave no. Coulier? No. Oh, wow. He was the host. He was the host. It was actually on from 84 to 85. So I was I was really young. I I, I don't I remember watching it later, maybe in syndication. Wow. So he was actually on bef- something before Full House. Yeah, because he was a working comedian and stuff, too. He That's did, right. He was stand up. And he I think he was on Star Search. Oh, really? Yeah, I oh, think that... because there was a connection in Full House where he went to Star Search in Full House. But I think that that actually happened in real life. Oh, I wow. could be mistaken about that because there was no, a later. You might be right. Star Search, I think, was canceled by the time Full House was over in 95, but there was, like, this episode where he goes on there and wins or something like that. Oh, wow. And, and I think maybe it was a tether to, like, what... Out of control. Yeah, so I, I, I vaguely remember that show. I wrote that one down. Okay. Do you it's remember Kids Court? 
Yes, holy cow, I haven't thought about that show. I haven't thought about that show in 20 years, at least. So Kids Court it wow, was on only for a couple of years. It was basically a thing where like some trivial-ass shit would happen with kids, and they would go and like adjudicate their trivial problems in front of a judge, who that's I think amazing. was... Shit, who was the judge? It's Judge someone... Judy, I think. Yeah, it was Judge. That's where Judge. That's where Judge Judy <laughs> got her uh, start. Yeah, excuse was, me, sir. It was this weird. It was this weird show. And yeah, I'm trying to look at the. God, there's all these videos about it. I, I, I this is why I don't go on YouTube because I would just watch things from the '80s all day. Yeah, Paul Provenza was the was the host. And he's still like you would you would know him if you saw him. Here, Dig, I'll show you. Yeah, show me a picture. Oh God, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. So, he, so, so 80s. Yeah. And so he's very, he's very, you, you guys would recognize, go look him up, Paul Provenza. So he was, the, I, I wanted to give a shout out to that. Yeah. Good. That's a good poll. But there's a few others. I don't know that you would be able to speak to some of these. There's one of them in particular. I'm surprised you haven't brought up. Okay. Inspector Gadget. Was which, that on Nickelodeon? It was. So it was, that's a French production, a French Canadian production. It's Quebec. Yeah. Cause it was, that the, was on both Nickelodeon and on something like USA. Or some deep channel because it was on around the same time as the Deke shit, like with yeah. GI Joe, Ghostbusters, Transformers, and all that kind of stuff. Because Inspector Gadget is Deke. Yes, exactly. Right. So it was on both, and I was so confused about that too. I was like, I don't remember watching this on Nickelodeon, but when, then when I was looking at the timing, because it was on from eighty three to eighty six, I think natively on some other channel, and then it was when I was watching it, it was syndicated to Nickelodeon, like they okay. bought the packages, eighty six episodes of that, you know. For people that don't know Inspector Gadget, that's a really seminal 80s show about a bumbling moron of yeah. a man yep. named Inspector Gadget who's a cop. And how his niece Penny and his dog Brain would basically solve all these crimes for him. But do it in such a way that the the antagonist, Dr. Claw, always thought it was Inspector Gadget. But it really was never him. Like he was, If it was up to him, he'd be dead every time. And it was like his young niece and, this, and his dog that saved the day. And what's cool about it is Penny was using an iPad. In the show. I forgot about that. So there's Wait, like, did she have an iPad or a watch? It was no, he had a watch. She had oh, a, he had the she watch. had like a book. That's right. It that, was an iPad. That was like, yeah, that was an iPad. That's insane. You that I never even I never even thought. Yeah, total it was a total get smart parody, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Get total get smart parody and Penny and Brain would solve the crime. Brain the dog was like a master disguise, right? <laughs> yeah. And Penny was brilliant. <laughs> and they would set it up to make it look like Uncle Gadget solved the crime. Yeah, like they, they didn't him. want to make him look foolish. Yeah, they loved him, so they were like always letting him take. But the he was a real. He was really. A, he was actually a prick, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I don't. I don't. He wasn't nice. The one thing I don't remember is like, did he know that they were doing it for him, or did he no. think he no, thought that he, he didn't know? Yeah, exactly. he didn't know. He wasn't smart enough. And to know. and ga- the cool thing about Inspector Gadget is he had all these gadgets. That's why you called him that. So he had like a helicopter, and he would say like, "Go, go, Gadget," and then like "Go, go, Gadget car," "Go, go, Gadget helicopter," he or whatever. It. And he had just had all these cool tools, yeah. but still couldn't get to the bottom of it. and. Dr. Claw was the antagonist, like I said, the bad guy, and he was for an organization called Mad, and yeah. you never saw him. Never you saw, his, saw face. his back. You see him sitting in a chair in front of like these television screens, and yeah. you'd be like, and he would say, like, next time, Gadget, and laugh or whatever, but that you cool never saw voice. him. Yeah, just saw him petting his cat. And I had, yeah, his cat. And I had a false memory, and I looked it up years ago now. Yeah. Where I was like, I definitely think you do see him, like at some point, but you don't. You that, don't. As far as I know, you don't see him. Like, I, 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 I had this false memory in my mind where I'm like, you definitely see him. Like at the end of one of the, like maybe yeah. at the end of the show or something like that, but you don't. That was the rumor, I think. I was going to ask you about this. It's so cool that you brought that up because, and, and you know what? I didn't investigate it either, so I still don't know. Well, two things about it. First of all, the last episode, there was always a rumor that the last episode showed, there was a last episode of Inspector Gadget. I'm almost sure that's true. It actually ended. But the rumor was that you see 
you see Dr. Claw in the last episode. You actually see him. But the other thing is his logo is like some strange fanged monster face. And you would always wonder, is that kind of what he looks like? You know, or is that just a logo for his, you know, his evil brand? And it's just like, you know, a general generic monster. Right. You know, Um, but yeah, you know what? You're right, Nick. I remember Inspector Gadget being on Nickelodeon, but I forgot. That's an that's an interesting one. That is weird that it was on there. How about Mr. Oh, and this is this is one that I really loved when I was a kid, but I don't know if you cared about. It was Mr. Wizard's World? Oh, so one of my favorites. 1983 to 1990, 78 episodes. The thing I didn't know about this was that Mr. Wizard was a show in the 50s and early 60s. Same called, guy? Yeah, same guy. Just called Mr. Wizard. And you have to understand, it was from 51 to 65. In 1951, there was almost no television shows. No, that like was... that was when no one even understood what. If you go back and look at television shows from that era and television yeah. programming from that era, it was a lot of like teleplays, like on a stage, like them yeah. filming shit from yeah. like one camera, like Single a static camera. camera. Yeah, and so he was doing like science experiments on TV. What in the fifties and sixties? He must have been a young man. Yeah, and and so because he was an old dude, and then Mister Wizard came back in the seventies again. Okay, and then Mister Wizard's World was like a tighter eighties version of it, where he would do experiments in his house. And like yes. kind of make you interested in science. It was just a, it was a show that I really enjoyed. Was Nickelodeon producing those episodes and they weren't optioning those? I think they were optioning them. I don't think they were doing. I don't think they were. Okay. Yeah. I don't Might think I don't think almost any of this stuff except for Double Dare was. I think out of all the shows that we have talked about today, none of them are native to Nickelodeon except for Double no. Dare. You, you can't do that on television. As far as my research goes, and I was never sure about this before we started researching for the episode. It started as not a Nickelodeon thing. But once Nickelodeon got involved, they made it a co-production. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. they wanted to have heavy influence over it. But by the way, you can't do that on television. Two of the canceled episodes. Let me just read these to you. They, they, there are two episodes on you can't do that on television that you can't supposedly you can't see anymore, and they're on the topics of. Hold on, I'm trying to find them. Like as in, no, not even a YouTube relic of it anywhere. They, like no one has they it. They completely buried these. Here they are. Here. There were two episodes that, hold on, one of the episodes was on adoption, can no longer see it, and one of the episodes was on divorce. Nickelodeon just completely disavowed them, you know? (laughs) They liked the ones with drug use and smoking, but they didn't want the one about divorce. Sexual promiscuity, smoking, drugs, cosmetics, a a general addiction episode. You know? And of course, executions every every episode. And execute, well. yeah. State executions. Can you I imagine? Say. I'm glad you brought up Mr. Wizard. Can I say something really mean about Mr. Wizard? Sure. That always fucking drove me crazy on sure. this show. And I rarely curse. I apologize for that. His hands were so freaking shaky. But he was probably like 90 years yeah. old. You know, he'd be like showing you how to do an experiment. It'd be a close up of like him trying to get the straw in the soda bottle or something. And his hands would be like, <laughs> you know, like it was like, it was like, come on. <laughs> It was like un- almost uncomfortable. It's like, do you have to go to close up for it, or could you, you like, just cut a, away like an, an, a, a model or a, an actor's hand? Yeah, cut away to a different guy. You know, like a kid doing the experiment <laughs> with him or something. So mean. I'm sorry. That's funny as hell. I don't Drove me that. crazy as a kid. What, what I have a few more, but what else is there? Anything else specifically you want to dive deep into? There was one, well, there was one thing that I, I'm really curious to see if any of the listeners re- even remember this one, and I don't know if you would remember it. It's a really deep cut. They played a little animated short episodic series, I think it was after Danger Mouse every night, called Banana Man. Do you remember this? I have it written down, but I don't remember it. It was a little, I believe it was British, I believe it was done by a studio called International Rocket Ship. They did a lot of cool stuff, actually. 
they had a really cool animated logo that they used to put that was almost as long as some of their content. But Banana Man was like a really short thing. I, I believe it was about a kid named Eric. And literally the story was, when Eric eats a banana, he becomes Banana Man, you know? And then he turned to the superhero, which almost looked like, the, if I'm remembering it correctly, looked like the tick. But he was like all decked out in blue with banana accoutrement. Like, you know, he had like the yellow gloves and like banana motif to his outfit. And he would fight really ridiculous bad guy. The, the the episodes couldn't be more than three minutes. If they were three minutes, they were an hour. You know, like it was like three minutes. That was it. In and out. They were ridiculous and so amazing. I loved them. I looked forward to them every night. Like, And I think I want to remember if it was on. I think it was on after Danger Mouse. Like you watch Danger Mouse, the, the credits would roll and then they'd jump right into the Banana Man episode, which was a really weird thing to tack on. It, Banana Man wasn't done by Cosgrove Hall. It wasn't another one of their shows it was really weird i guess they just had some space to fill up and they threw it on there you know and the other thing i just want to give a shout out to the nickelodeon all the interstitials i know we talked about earlier in the early in the show the interstitials and the bumpers all the animated uh you know station ids and stuff i i'm in love with first of all it's my dream to just do that stuff for a living like the quick easy in easy out make them super high budget make them beautiful do whatever you want do another one next week. You know, like that's like an animator's dream to work on those kind of things in perpetuity, you know, but I loved, I loved those so much. That was like a huge thing for me. I really always dug that. I, I love their branding. It always felt really special. You know, it always felt really thoughtful and appealing. Even if Nickelodeon wasn't beholden to a really high educational standard, they really knew, know how to knew, knew and still know how to make fun, but especially back then, how to make fun and educational content. You know? Yeah, uh, fun, uh, fun, no, sorry, fun and just content that would resonate with children and be memorable. You know? Yeah, educational absolutely. or no. Absolutely. It's know? funny you say that, that about the interstitials and like kind of the logos and the treatment that they would give all that kind of stuff. There was something about the Viacom properties because MTV was the same. Same thing. Where, and VH1 was a Viacom property too at the time. I think they became so in 86 or something like that. But yeah, that's right. There was, there's something quintessentially 80s about the way the MTV logo moved and looked where they would show it, you know, music television and it would be like, you know, polka dots and lines. And yeah. Stuff through it and all that kind of stuff, a little bit crude looking and stuff like that, but very hip. Yep. There was a, definitely a through line between what they were doing there and what, what Nickelodeon was doing. And I think a lot of it might have had to do with. Across Viacom. Yeah. They might have even had the same creative director, you know, who knows at that point. Yeah, no, I, that's really memorable to me, too. And I love that you brought up Nick Jr. because it is its own channel now, but it was Nick Jr. was like a block. It was from, a block. From like not eight. No, actually, probably earlier. It was probably like six to two or something like that. Or six something to three. like that. Because when, you know, preschool and or what we call nursery school and kindergarten were both half days for us. So I remember like being jazzed if I think I had like afternoon kindergarten because which I think I did because I got to watch like all of the whatever was going on at in that the time. mornings yeah like and there was a lot of like stuff that was custom made for it and they showed like weird stuff too that they were definitely buying like berenstein bears and which is i used to love and stuff like that but that's i don't really associate that with with nickelodeon, with nickelodeon. i don't you know solely how about and i don't know that you're i think you the thing is, is you were of age for this but i don't know that you really cared about it did you like hey dude no, I don't. It's not that I didn't like it. I was just already not watching Nickelodeon at that point. Because so, I remember that being on. That being, right. I don't know if it was you or Allie. That was definitely on. That was definitely a thing that I knew about. But I never really watched it. 
Hey Dude was on from 1989 to 1991. There were five seasons in that time, 65 episodes. And uh, it took place in the Bar None Dude Ranch in Arizona. And it was actually locally filmed and locally sourced a lot of it for actors. So a lot of the people like like the... What it basically was about was like this New York accountant and his shitty son who wore a Mets hat on the show. Oh, would would like moved from New York to Arizona to get away from the metropolitan life, and they bought like a ranch. And so it was about like their metropolitan sensibilities kind of clashing with. I never knew that. With um the the farmhands that they hired, like the kids, the teenagers, and it was a, the show was really about the teenagers that worked there. Okay. And the big thing about that is that this is where Christine Taylor got her start. Her first. Christine Taylor is a really famous actress today. She's married to Ben Stiller, the really beautiful oh, blonde Oh, sure. Girl. She was on that? Yeah, she, that was like her first role. You're kidding me. Yeah, so she was like the big t- takeaway from that show. Oh. But yeah, wow. it was the Ernst family. That was the that was the name. And it was it was it was directed towards I think teens, okay, young adults. And it was about like the the, the kind of the 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 romantic nature between the kids or the the, the, the trials and tribulations in their life that they were going through. Okay. I really loved that show. So the the uh, relocated New York father and son, were they kind of like bad guys? No, or they weren't really bad guys. They were like too. disconnected, let's okay, say. Like okay. They were a little, you know, it wasn't like Salute Your Shorts, which is a show I absolutely fucking love. That's a 90s show where like, Ugh, the camp counselor was like kind of an asshole. It wasn't really like that. They were just more stupid. The, the son wasn't, the son didn't really want to be there. Okay. That was kind of the thing. Like he missed, he always, I think he always had like a baseball glove and it was like, I gotta watch this. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I really want to watch this. Hey, dude's a good one. The other that I wrote down that we haven't touched on yet is today's special. Oh yeah. Today's special was on from 1981 to 1987, 121 episodes. This is one of the ones where, for years, I'm like, I think I'm making this show up. And at some point, I said to someone, I'm like, Was there a show that took place in a department store? And it was something about like a mannequin. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it was today's special. Because like, yeah. you were so young. Yeah, I was, and, and I think I used to watch it with Dana, who was our sister, one of our sisters. You, that was, that show really, really reminds me of you, you know. Probably their second most important kid show of that era besides Pinwheel. It was, I, I don't know how long they syndicated it. I think I was watching it contemporary to when it was on. I mean, obviously I was born in 84, so 81, I wasn't watching it. But okay. I remember being very young watching it. 81 and, to and, 87, and, is that? Is yeah, that, 81 yeah. to 87 was yeah. the run. And it was a it was a, it was basically like a show a learning show in its own way, a little more hip than that. But like basically, it was about this character named Jeff, I think, who you put a hat on. He was a mannequin, I think. You put a hat on him, and he would come to life. Come to life at night. And then he had like this. There was this girl named Jody who was like the human merchant that worked in there, and like their interactions with each other. And there was the guard named Sam. Yeah. And was there like, was a mouse. Yeah. What named was Muffy. Her name? Muffy. Yeah. And. I don't really, again, it's one of those shows where I'm like, I don't really remember what the hell the show is about. I just have such, I rem- I can, I see the set. Yeah. Like the, the, the counter and the, the mannequin would just stand there and they put the hat on. I think maybe when they were leaving for the night or something like that. And then it would come to life. Reminds me a little bit of that Twilight Zone episode. I had to watch it again in order to get everything. They, what, it, what would happen was they would take, I guess Jody worked at the store at night. Sam was like the night, wa- Sam the puppet was like the night watchman of the st- department store. And she would take, the, the mannequin Jeff up to the toy department, I guess this is where she works. She would like set, I guess she was like setting up. She was like a stock clerk and they would, yeah, the mouse would come put the hat on Jeff and then the show would just center around a, to- they'd be in the toy department and it would just set around a topic like costumes or hats or whatever the, sh- the specific episode would center around. Not particularly educational, just super, super preschool, like geared towards really young kids, which you were and just a fun, mildly educational 
program. You know, it had a lot of episodes. I didn't realize they had 121 episodes in total, seven seasons to this thing. That's what that's what I said. Yeah, 81, to 87, 121 episodes. Huge. That's a that's a big thing, and I do remember it being a really big thing on Nickelodeon. I today's special and, and I think today's special and Pinwheel kind of went hand in hand. Those are the two back to back shows and they you know that's what they were hanging their hat on in the mid to early to mid 80s yeah it's a, it's, it's a it's a nice memory they would say Cute hocus, show. hocus pocus alamogocus or something yeah like that. yeah exactly really, that show really reminds me of you very much yeah it's a good one i have so i have others written down i don't know that you remember any of them or i'll just run through these real quick and we'll okay. see if you have anything to say about them okay count ducula yeah spin off a of danger mass Okay, so 88 he, to 89 on that. Yeah, he was a character in Danger Mouse, Cosgrove Fall character. Um, I think Brian Cosgrove created him, and then they spun it off. I, he wasn't even, he was like an incidental character in Danger Mouse. It's weird that they spun it off, but yeah, they spun it off. That And that was also, when did it start? 89? It said 88 to 89, so yeah, short run. Short and late, later than I remember it. Do you remember the show Mapletown? No. Do you remember the show The Tomorrow People? <laughs> no. Do you remember the show Don't Just Sit There? Yes, I remember that show. I don't really have any specific memories of it, but I remember that being on. Do you remember the show Stand By Lights, Camera, Action? No. There's a show called Pop Clips that I don't remember. Gosh, I don't remember that at all. Think Fast was another show that I don't don't remember. remember that at all. What year? I don't have years written down. Okay, just just These are the shows that I literally don't know. Okay. Hocus Pocus. No. Live Wire. I don't think so. Against the Odds. You know what? The names sound familiar, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Well, I'm just going to... These two are more. all Nickelodeon shows? Yeah, apparently. Well, option, probably all of them. The Adventures of the Little Prince? Yes, of course. Yeah, Little Prince. Do you remember Little Prince? No, I don't think so. So Little Prince was based on, a, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but a French children's book, classic children's book about a little prince, a little boy, a little human boy that lives on a planet. But when I tell you he lives on a planet, he lives on like a giant ball. Like he could walk around this thing. It's... So it's like, like Mario si- Galaxy. It's like the size of a bed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, picture Mario Galaxy. Like he could it's like the size of a bedroom. And he lives on this thing and what he does is he goes on adventures by catching comets in a net, like a butterfly net and he travels from planet to planet and he ends up helping different people and he has a little rose girl who lives in like a little volcano or a little crater on the planet as I remember it. and he covers her it's really weird, man, actually, as, as I explained it. But he covers her with, like, a glass jar to protect her. But she's kind of, like, half girl and half, like, rose. I kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah. Little Prince, I forgot that was on Nickelodeon. That was a big thing with me. I just illustrated a Little Prince because I was feeling really nostalgic about it. Oh, like, really? L- like, last year. Yeah. I kind of vaguely remember the rose It was thing. very 70s visually. Like, he wore, like, this purple bell-bottom jumpsuit. <laughs> And he was like really like kind of amorphous. Like, is that a boy or a girl? Like almost like Pidge from Voltron, but blonde. You know, it's funny. This is, I'm sure, not the influence that Miyamoto had, but it's funny that we mentioned that with like the kind of galaxy like vibe with it. Yeah. But then the character Rosalina is, is sure. introducing Galaxy, and there's yeah. a Rose character. Oh, that's interesting. I like. I, d- I doubt it. I love yeah, Rosalina. I think she's so cool. Yeah, that's Peach's mom, right? Is Rosalina Peach? I don't. Mom? I don't even know the lore of it. Because okay. in Galaxy, they had that thing where you can go to like the story time. Yeah. And and I was like just spacing out after a while. I'm like, I oh really? It's I so did long. that. I'm like I don't care. You know why I did that? Because Graydon, that was the first game he watched me play all the way through. Oh, so he wanted to. See so that he part. wanted to see that stuff. Do you remember the show Against the Odds? No. Do you remember the show America Goes Bananas? No. What? Do you remember the show Children of the Stones? 
Children of the Stones. No. There's a show called First Row Features. No. There's a show called Going Great. I remember Going Great. I remember the th- song Going Great, 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 Going Great. But I can't. Even, was that just like a like a? I don't know. I have no idea. If I'm not is. mistaken, it was like a 60 minutesy type format for kids. Like this is what's I could be wrong, but this this is what's new in movies. This is what's you know here's an interview with this actor. This is what's going on. Like you know, look what cool animal we have on. You know, this, right, right. You know, Jack Hanna. Yeah, and exactly. The, the final one, which I don't remember this at all. Going great is wow. Haunting of Cassie Palmer. Don't know it. I don't remember that one either. Don't Otherwise, know. I mean, I think that's pretty much everything that was on Nickelodeon. I want to research going great. I'm going to write this down. Okay. Yeah. Get so, I mean, that's that's great. basically it. I mean, I have nothing else for this episode. Do you? You know what? Let me take a quick look as we... Well, of course, we have the lightning round. Yeah, the lightning round, which you've... Don't uh, be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. That is don't, an 80s show, but an ABC show. Not a Nickelodeon show, <laughs> alas. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. I loved that show. I mean, I loved that show. You want to do one about Perfect Strangers? We could do one. I, I would love to do one about... But again, I don't know how invested you are in, in TGIF. That was a TGIF show. Was I, that? Yeah. I don't know if you... And there's a spinoff of Perfect Strangers that was a huge TGIF show. Do you know what it is? <sighs> a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Oh, wait. Was it... Hmm, I'm guess. I'm kind of guessing. But was it the girls that were the flight attendants? What was that one? They're, well, their two girlfriends, Balky and Larry's two girlfriends right. in the show were flight attendants. Right. Was it there a show a, that started them? I have no idea. I could Family be totally Matters like, is the show. That's a spinoff. Wait, how did how is that? Harriet worked as the elevator operator in, in Larry's building. Dude, you're right. Holy shit. That just blew my mind. That's that I loved perfect show. You know what? If you're gonna ever have my friend PJ on, if you're gonna have P and your friend, if you're gonna have PJ on the show, do the TJF episode with him. That's his. That's his whole shit. <laughs> that's really like his whole thing. No, I don't really have anything else except for uh, I wrote a lot. I was really reminiscing about a lot about you can't deny on television in the various segments, like the thing at home. You know, they would always have the mom and dad. The mom was like, the mom and dad were actually. It's interesting. I just made this connection in my head. Very similar to Dexter of Dexter's Lab's parents, obviously not animated. And then they had the locker segment where they would just pop out of the locker and like tell a joke or make like a snarky remark and then get, do you remember that? Yeah, that I do remember. Yeah. The locker set, you know, so you can't on television was always the big one. I don't think I really have too much else besides what we already talked. Oh, you know what? You, you would be mad if we didn't talk about this one. Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete, but Pete is Pete and Pete 80. That's a 90 show. Let me say technically. I think. 89. First day out in 89. Really? This is fair game. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought that was like 91 or 92. Yeah, so this is what it says about Pete and Pete. Oh, oh you know what I forgot about Pete and Pete? I just wrote, I wrote that this is really more your thing, although I think I love it, this show, but it first aired in 89 as a series of one-minute shorts that aired as like basically interstitials between shows, and then they did five half-hour specials. And then based on how that rated, they went into the half-hour-long series, which was two seasons. That show is truly strange. Very strange. And I, it, it so yeah, I'd love to talk about Pete and Pete. Yeah, talk P&P. about Pete and Pete. That's your thing. So Pete and Pete is a, is, a, is a show that takes place in any town, USA, suburbia. Similar to like Wonder Years, where you're not really sure where it is. And although I think the Wonder Years was in California, I don't, they never confirmed that. But there's like shots of that where, and we could do a whole episode on the Wonder Years. Oh, God, we should. I just wrote that today, actually, as a topic. There are shots when they're playing around where there's like mountains in the background and stuff. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that it looks like something like, like, is that Burbank? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or is that orange? Yeah. And then he was wearing a jet jacket and stuff. So it's a little confusing. But 
Everyone was a Jets fan in the 60s. So <laughs> not so much anymore. Pete and Pete were about two brothers and they're, it's like they're, it was called the adventures of Pete and Pete. It's really about their misadventures with each other and like how strange their life is. They have, I can't remember her name, but like a female friend that was old, the one with the, those friends with the older Pete. There was a superhero character that was, that would like run around their town and like was just super strange. It was a very like, was it a kid? No, he was an adult. Oh, I Artie remember that. was his name. Artie? And he wore like, he was like weird. He wouldn't talk, but he would like stand in like these weird poses. He had like spandex on and stuff like that. <laughs> That's amazing. And the younger Pete named, uh, played by Tamborelli. What the, what the hell? I met him actually because he's in Grand Theft Auto V. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, he's like the son of the main character in Grand Theft Auto V. What? Oh, I didn't know that. And I did. He's also in the Mighty Ducks. So I. Right. When that's he, right. When he came to the office, we did a thing where we like tried to make him like a comedy sketch that was like the beginning of an uh, episode of Up at Noon where we tried to get him to do the quack chant. So we'd be like, quack, quack, what? quack. And he'd be like, we'd like, get really loud. He'd be like, guys, guys, I wasn't even brought back for the sequel. You know, like, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's he was amazing. like one of the fire kids that got fired from the. Oh, that's so Before funny. they did D2 because I guess his character wasn't that interesting or whatever. I don't know. But the show is just a very surreal. Very low key look at suburban life. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, and, it was just about this really trivial shit. And the humor is very offbeat. Yep, it's super offbeat. But like, some reason it works. The younger Pete has a tattoo. Yeah, who's in the introduction? So they. What was cool is like there was this great song. <gasps> yes, indeed. Does it talk about? Yes, indeed. I totally remember that. You know, like it was like a band playing on their lawn, like in the yeah. intro. It's like some. Re- I think the band was called Polaris. I don't know if they were like a band that ever made it, but that was like their song. Wow, and that's so cool. They they would show like it would like so they would show like you know their mom and dad. It was just said mom and dad. Like it wasn't even the actors' names. <laughs> and and the mom had like a metal plate in her head, and the dad was like there was all this weird. I remembered about stuff that. going on about it, but then I remember the the I think the tattoo's name was Petunia, <laughs> and so they would just show a shot of the Petunia, and they would be like and Petunia like as like the last character in it. I had no idea. I don't. I didn't know that about Pete and Pete. That it started as like interstitials, then it started as a mini series, basically. Yeah, and I think I, no I remember that. I think I remember them being like a little little shorts, and they were really. They always felt so offbeat, almost, almost like we didn't have this frame of reference then, but almost like very Wes Anderson, really offbeat, funny, but definitely their own brand of humor, very dry, you know. Yeah, just re- a lot of it was in the timing and the business. It wasn't really in the dialogue. You know, it's really cool, really cool. Like, who again, like whoever created these things and put them on and believed in them and put them forward and presented them, like it's so really a special era. I mean, the funny thing about Nickelodeon is each era of Nickelodeon has its has its poster child, has its has its icons, you know, from Blues Clues to Dora to SpongeBob to Fairly Odd Parents, all those things that threaded itself through that particular era of the network. But I don't think any era was as special as the early to to late eighties. You know, just really, really, really neat, inventive, thoughtful, experimental content. You know, super fun. You know, when it really meant something. It wasn't just like thrown up on Netflix like they only had so many things that they could show and the things that they put on, they really, a lot of it really worked, you know, and really built our nostalgia. That was what our childhoods are made of is this stuff, you know. It was focused on that because I, I like, well, at least my childhood was because there's so many options today. Obviously, Cartoon Network came to prominence in the 90s and 
Disney Channel existed since the 80s, but we didn't have it. So I, no. I, that wasn't a thing. Like we got this. I got Disney Channel when I was way too old to be watching Disney Channel. I wasn't watching it anymore. So it was like I was in high school or something. There was nothing on there for me. And I, that was like a totally mysterious place for me. I didn't I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah. And there was obviously a lot of stuff like, you know, syndicated on the TBS and USA and stuff like that. And then stuff that was on the local channel like Fox and ABC and in the afternoon that were, were good, too. But. My childhood is all wrapped up in in Nickelodeon and a lot of '90s stuff too. I mean, I was a ton of you know from Space Cases to which I love. I love that show to you know all that and and Are You Afraid of the Dark and all these shows that I loved. But those are '90s shows. And we'll leave that for another day. Yeah, Nickelodeon '90s Nickelodeon could be a whole nother whole nother thing. I agree. You know. So do you want to do the lightning round? now? You ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. All right, my friend. Here we go. Should be an easy one. Okay, so. Speed round, lightning round. Remember, there are no wrong answers. Okay. Uh, I First one. I don't know or water? I don't know because I don't want to be slammed. That's wrong. Really? No. There's no oh, wrong answers. Okay. There's no wrong okay, answers. Okay, I'm trolling. Right. Okay, you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> Answer the question or take the physical challenge? I'll take the physical challenge. Mark Summers or Mr. Wizard? Mark Summers. You're not wrong. Pinwheel or Sesame Street? Sesame Street. Oh, I think you might be wrong about that. One. Okay, so you're lying. Uh, <laughs> you're lying again. <laughs> plus or minus? I don't even remember. So I'm just gonna say plus because it's more positive. You're correct. Herbert or Lulu? What is that from? Do you remember them? I know the names, but what they were the bug, like the puppet bug characters that like played on the hedge. They were like brother and sister. I do remember that. What was there called? a joke with you and Dana about this? Yeah, we like used that? to call each other Herbert and Lulu. Okay, that's okay. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we never touched on Herbert or Lulu. No. But okay, so who are you a Herbert guy or a well, Lulu I, I, guy? Yeah, I'll go Her- Herbert for obvious reasons. I'll go with Lulu. Oh, okay. You're a Lulu guy. Okay. Okay. Danger Mouse or Penfold? Or what? Penfold. What is that? That's his little sidekick. Oh, okay. Oh, the that's hamster, right. The little hamster guy. That's right. Oh, Why was I thinking his name was Handpan? Oh, oh that's from Wild Arms. Yeah, Handpan is... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow, that's I was a, like, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I thought his name was Handpan. That's more foreshadowing. Holy shit. Oh my God, I can do a five-hour episode on Wild Arms. Oh, that's the best. Uh, I would go with Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse? Okay. Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? Nickelodeon. 1987 Nick or 2018 Nick? Oh my God. 1987 Nick. I don't even, I You're couldn't tell you correct. one show that's on Nickelodeon right now, not one. Really? No. No, I, I SpongeBob's no. still on, so that's easy. Oh, really? Yeah, they still make SpongeBob. Still I thought they stopped making SpongeBob fifteen years ago. Still making it, dude. How many episodes is that? And show my kids, is? I don't even. know. God Almighty, I gotta look when we're. When, I don't well, even when know. We're done that's I don't even know. That that's a good. There's gonna be a thousand question. episodes. There has to be. Like there that's has insane. To unless the seasons are literally two episodes each. That, that show was on out, when I was in high school. It came out in 98? Yeah, and they've nine. made it continuously. Yeah, that entire it's been on the whole time. It's twenty years. Holy shit. I know, it's insane. That's a crazy, that's a Simpson-esque run. That's a... Only this is on cable. That's that's insane, dude. Yeah, it really is. It's nuts. And a lot of the same crew. A lot of the same guys. Wow, they really made a... I, dude, I, if you asked me when, when SpongeBob ran, I'd be like, 98 to 2002. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, still, still. And it's still funny. There's only... There's only... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Holy shit, it still is on. Still There's on. only 11 seasons, though. 229 episodes. That's not as much as you would think. No, so they must have taken a lot of breaks. But it is high budget. That's a that's a high budget. Is it show. really? Because it looks really crude to me. Really? Yeah. No, that's all. That's all really like. I guess maybe it's the way it's colored because it's underwater. It just looks a little washed out. Literally. Yeah, it has a certain look to it. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that's a biggie. Okay. Silly or educational? Silly. Oh, absolutely. Okay, you finish the sentence. 
What do you think's in the burger? Yep. You got it. Oh, we didn't touch on this, but Nick at night or Nick Jr.? Oh, Nick at night would be... We can we should save Nick and I because that's a great. That's, we'll do that's a whole a, thing on Nick. We uh, could do a whole thing on Nick, Nick and I. I love Nick and I. Nick and I. Oh, I love Nick and that was my introduction to so many things that I were way too old. I was way too young. That's rather. true. That was a whole portal into. That, that's where I was like when 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 a when a, a man who was born in 1984 tells you one of his favorite sitcoms of all time is Newhart. <laughs> was that on Nick and yeah. Night? or Welcome Back, Cotter? I knew that was on Nick and Night. or Head of the Class. That was on Nick and I. I remember yeah. that. What about? Did you get into like the really old stuff like Mr. Ed and Lassie and stuff? Oh yeah, like of course. That? Yeah, okay, yeah, the, the, a lot of black and white stuff. But all that stuff. Yeah. That yeah, we really could do a Nick and Night episode. Oh my god, I love it. Or night. just put it in. That the was 90s. a connection that a dad and I had when I was a kid. We would oh, watch, he. We would watch yeah, that that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Dick Van Dyke was on there. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke, The Munsters, Adam's Munsters, family. That's right. Lucy had a run on there, which is Lucy. That's right. I love Lucy. Still one of the great shows of all time. Oh, that okay. show is absolutely hilarious. Even the even the colored stuff when they moved to the house in the country, that stuff's still funny. I don't remember that. Yeah, when like when a little Ricky is like when they leave. Oh, the, like, the apartment. that's interesting. I I don't I don't remember seeing that. That was Grandma's favorite show of all time. The Honeymooners were on there, which doesn't stand up because it's a lot of domestic abuse. <laughs> yeah, that's a. That's a different time. Yeah. That's of a different era. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we'll revisit Nick at night. Uh, okay, Pete or Pete? <laughs> Older Pete's definitely more similar. Older Pete, okay. Canada or USA? Oh, USA, but I love Canada. I'm a hockey player, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Canada, we got your back. Dora or Boots? <laughs> who is that? Who is Do- you know Dora? You don't know who Dora is? Dora the... Oh, I, oh, that's what you're talking about. I don't, yeah. I don't, I've never seen an episode of Boots it. is like her little monkey sidekick. That's 90s, though, isn't it? Or I is that 2000? It's not... It's it's 90s, but yeah, it has nothing to do with anything except. I don't know. Boots sounds cool. Dora or a nail through your eyelid. <laughs> a nail through my eyelid, probably. Yeah, so you I don't like Dora the Explorer? No, she. I really don't like Dora the Explorer. No, she's very. Loud. What was the shtick with her? Was it was it, was it a big? She deal talks she... like this. We should go on an adventure, Boots. Like everything is like yelled, and not only her, but her backpack talks like that too, and the map in the show talks like that too everybody yells in that show was there what maybe i'm I'm, i think i'm confusing the show with another show then because wasn't there wasn't it a big deal that there was like an hispanic cartoon it must have not been her no well there was dora and then she had a friend was it diego and then he had his own and then he had his own thing that's what i'm thinking for a while yeah okay moose or lisa those are characters on i you can't do that on television right moose sounds cool i don't remember any of them though like any of them personally. You don't remember? I don't really remember like the specifics of any of them though. Okay, so Alistair or Dougie. Alistair. I remember Alistair. You remember Alistair? Yeah, I remember that name because I was like, that. what the hell is that name? I think he went on to be a big writer on the show. When he got, when he like out the show, he just started writing on it. I just remember, I remember that because I just remember really being mystified by that name. Yeah, that was a different name. Yeah, yeah that name was like Alistair, what? And last one, stop the execution, yes or no? Yes, because that's where the comedy comes Absolutely. from. Absolutely. Okay. Good one, Dave. Very good. All right, my friend. Well, that's it for this episode of 1980s Nickelodeon here on Nick uh, uh, Nickback. That's actually oh, pretty good. Oh, oh go. I hey stumbled now. on something there. Whoa. There was something. It was like when I said SoundCloud on another episode. <laughs> Remember, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at No Taxation and Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Dagan is on Twitter at Dagan1973 and Instagram at Dagan Likes to Draw. So follow us there if you'd like. Especially follow Dagan on Instagram because that's where he puts a lot of his art. He's the greatest. He's fantastic. He's the strongest. He's the quickest. He's the best. Danger Mouse. You remember that song? Yeah, I haven't heard that. I was just like, I'm like, I haven't heard that in years. So good. Many years. But I was referring to myself. Oh, okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Danger Mouse is also cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair okay. Enough. <laughs>
We hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, you can uh, support us on Patreon. It would mean a lot to us if you did support us on Patreon. If you like this show, please consider giving us a few dollars. There's all sorts of tiers over at patreon.com slash Stand you can explore. So you can get in at the dollar level just to show support. And you also get an exclusive episode of either Fireside Chats or Knockback every month. We've done that for two months now. So there is an episode of Fireside Chats and an episode of Knockback that no one else will hear unless you're on Patreon. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. I I have an idea for Fireside Chats. What's that? I think, don't tell anybody this. When you when one of your guests, you gotta rig this up. It's gonna take a little budget, okay? But you gotta agree to do this for me. When a guest of yours says I don't know, you slime them. Okay. Is that cool? <laughs> I think we can do that. We can't do it I on the show because I, I don't want to. So be what slow. the fuck do I care? Yeah, yeah. Is, I'm not gonna ruin it. Well, anything. put plastic down. It will yeah. look really like they're about to be murdered, right, but they're right. actually just about to be slimed. It's so like they would be relieved. It's like the set of Dexter. <laughs> will you do that? I think I can probably handle it. All right, let's, let's see. And I'll miss just to annoy everyone. They won't, they won't know. <laughs> I remember being so viscerally mad when they would miss. Like, well, then they could say water and clean themselves off. <laughs> so it works out. It's funny that I thought it was water that they said. I totally forgot about the water <laughs> angle. I forgot that it was I don't know. That's I'm, so funny, man. I'm, so, I'm interrupting your outro. Oh, I don't care. doesn't matter. Yeah, so support us on Patreon if you can. The the I think the $2 and $5 and $10 tiers are, are really great tiers because the two dollar tier lets you vote on topics we're going to do two topics that the, the crowd voted on uh, this run of episodes that we're doing here in philadelphia and the five dollar tier lets you get this episode uh, every episode of knockback and every episode of fireside chats a week early so that's pretty cool and then ten dollars you get all of that plus you get a q a video that i do where i answer every every one of your questions and it's usually like 50 questions it's about totally <laughs> random things on video that's awesome so it's pretty fun i love that so explore that please do consider it we it would really mean a lot to us for the cost of a retail video game every year, you can support CLS at the $5 level. There you go. I like that. Nice parallel. And I would appreciate it if you did. But if you don't, and if you can't, that's totally fine. We're so much better than any game. I know. There's no Shouldn't game that's that. better than Knockback. No. Except for a lot of games. <laughs> are actually better than that. <laughs> Dagan, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time out there, audience. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Ahmed Alawais, Kyle Barnes, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, David Buford, Spencer Brand, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burry, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancado, Matthew Canoy, Cesar Cardoso, Shermer Carter, William Cashel, Brian Chand, Jay Chandarlis, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Dan Clifford, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Will Curry, Daniel D'Amour, Daniel Delanikos, Mitchell Durkach, Luke Drake, David Ellis, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fiore, James Fitzpatrick, Mike Francis, Connor Gazian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, David Gurley, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Joshua Hunt, Steve Innerfield, Stephen Insler, Josh Jaeger, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Jackson Lestica, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Juan Lesh, Patrick Leslie, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Devin McMasters, Joe McPartland, Albert Miranda, Mad Mock Media, Alex Moans, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mokhtar, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Andrew O., Brian Ott, 
Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius Scarson peterson Jason Pettit, Eric R. Pryor, John Quinn, Daxus Rana, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Atenogenis Rojas, Petro Rose, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, James Schmetz, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Ray Ann Scheinabarger, Toby Schutman, German Sidhu, Alex Simmons, Riley Smith, Jordan Smith, Jared Stuave, Alexander Suarez, Ahmed Tamar, Tam Tran, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Chris Wong, Michael Wells, Payne White, Tyler Woodall, Benjamin Worrell, Corey Wyatt, James Zimmerman, Tony Zuniga, Kristen Zwick, Beric, Mubarak, A.G. Rowe, Tynamite, Chris, and Donk 2015.